Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek RPG live play with the Streampunks. Hi, Streampunks. How's it going, y'all? It's good to see y'all. Um, everyone's so pretty. I don't think I can deal with this. It was easier when y'all were sitting to my left and right, and I didn't have to stare at you the whole time. Um, I'm just going to go watch the show on Twitch tonight, and uh, I'll let you know how it goes. I'm going to be in the Discord. Give Not running. No, not, not it. <laughs> All right. So we All right, let's do this. Right. <laughs> um, so not too heavy on the announcements tonight. Um, just that we have our Vampire One Shot with B. Dave recording on the 14th of October. We don't have an announcement date for when that is actually going up, but it will be shortly after that. So you can look for mid to late October. We're going to have a Vampire One Shot with B. Dave Walters. Um, what else is going on? I'm going to reach out to the Streampunks here. What have y'all got going on? Yeah, Xander. Yeah, this weekend is GaryCon, celebrating Gary Gygax, one of the creators of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and I'm going to be running a game 10 a.m. on Saturday the 10th uh, with fellow Streampunks Bonnie Gordon and Aki. Uh, as Abria uh, Iyengar, Jason Charles Miller, and Luke Gygax. And we're going to be going on an adventure with the famous potions master. Named Ricky Hoxta. Oh. oh my gosh, that is a hell of a cast. I'm very excited. <laughs> nice. So that's this Saturday at 10 a.m. What what channel is that on? It's on Gary Con. Gary Con Twitch. Okay, cool. Yep. Very cool. And then Sunday for Gary Con, I will be doing a game with Luke Gygax. I wish I knew details. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have, my brain is mush, and I don't remember what time. But it's a, it's at a time. I will post about it. Look at my socials. Sunday, if you have nothing planned, we're going to do a one shot. And I think he has a fun cast. I'm assuming he does. I'm in it. And that's Bonnie, all I got. <laughs> Bonnie, I, I like how you were like, ah, fuck the green screen. I'm just going to wear a space dress. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I have the kind that you put on your chair and it's so hard for me to fold back into itself. I, it's, like a, it's like an I Love Lucy moment. I spend hours trying to fold it back into a little hole. Now so what am I going to do away. later? That was my whole night entertainment. <laughs> it was, and and like tonight, I was just like, I don't wanna, because wow. as soon as I take it out, it pops really big, and then like I'll spend hours trying to get it back together. Bonnie, I, I think you owe Xander an apology that you just totally swiped away his entertainment for the evening. You know, I I, I taken a night off. <laughs> Close my green holes wait my <laughs> you know whenever whenever something like that comes out of your mouth the first thing i do is look straight to xander because his reactions every time you say stuff like that is the best. you know what i mean it, it, it turns into a giant hole ring keep, keep going keep going i'm gonna mute myself Ray, right, cool. you have an announcement. Um, anybody else have an announcement yeah <laughs> go ahead um, speaking of abria anger um, tomorrow night on Q Times at 5.30 PST, you can find Abria, me, Aliza Pearl, and Aaron Stanley playing on Eddie Doty's game, Phoenix Dawn Command. Come watch me play a feral child. Uh, um, and that will forever be my marketing for this. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty fun game, actually. And Eddie is doing an amazing job with, like, sending us on this journey. And it's just... Like, you haven't played Phoenix Dawn Command. It's such, like, a wonderfully, like, intense game with, like, great collaborative world building. And, ugh, ugh, chef's kiss. I could talk about it all day. But here on King Time well, so join us. Nice. Aki. Speaking of Gary Khan, you can catch Sam and myself uh, hanging out and playing with um, 
uh, the crew from A Darkened Wish, but we're not going to be playing A Darkened Wish characters. We're going to be playing something new. Uh, the slightly not as bright wish. I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's a. It's a something. But it's happening at 10 a.m. on Sunday, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. And uh, just got announced today, but I will be playing in a Werewolf the Apocalypse game over on uh, uh, Mystic Grove uh, for the next four weeks. We have our finale on Halloween. Uh, that will be at 4 p.m. PVP and Hockey. 7 EST. Yes. I must know. What tribe are you? Oh, oh goodness. I actually have completely forgotten because I built my character sheet weeks ago. Oh, you no. Know, <laughs> you want me to spoil, like, I, I, will, I will text you. I will let you. Okay, Fiona Tribe. I don't want to spoil You're it. my people, Fiona Tribe. I love you guys. Um, really fast. Really fast. Yeah, I totally what's up, honey? Yeah. Every Saturday night, you can catch me now on Things in Space on the Dungeons and Things channel. What started out as a one episode guest spot has now made me a permanent member of the I love cast. that. <laughs> <laughs> it has gone like one episode and then I was four episodes and I just did five and they were just like, and you're now permanently. And welcome so. aboard. <laughs> we, we like a guest fail. We yeah. love guest fails. Actually, hey. in fact, just Saturdays in general, why not just spend with the stream punks? Because at 12 p.m., us stream punks are playing Predation. If you haven't been following that along, we just started, so there's enough time to catch up for episode two that's coming up this Saturday. Um, you know, it's me, B. Dave Walters, it's Sam, it's Gina, so, you know, it's whatever. And but, a bunch uh, of dinos. Come play dinosaurs with us. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, I, judging from the response from that first episode, I cannot tell if the audience likes the dinos more than the characters, but I'm getting the impression they yes, might. Of course yes, they do. Was that, that not in question? question? I guess, I guess I'm just, I'm just, I know, I'm just foolish of me. I know, I'm sorry. Did I'm you sorry. think the people would be more interesting than the dinos on a dinosaur game? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Well, right. but it's also the people interact with the dinosaur sometimes from this comes literally the soul compelling narrative element of the humans. I get to play Sam's Chaos Goose, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and Sam and gets Sam to play a the other goose. goose. Yeah. <laughs> this was intentional. <laughs> I just want to come and guest as a dinosaur. Oh, you're all going to come and guest. Everybody's going to come and guest. I don't even want to be a person. I just want to be a No, dinosaur. you and Aki are going to be, we're going to be some dinosaurs. We're going to be, we're going to have, we're going to have guests. I just want yeah. a dinosaur that eats a boat. <laughs> All right. I'll um, myself. Well, we got uh, a big game ahead of us tonight. We, of course, are starting a brand new episode after the end of a big arc from last week. So, unless there are any other announcements, I think we can. Yes. I I have actual announcements. <laughs> this is this is the MB that cried wolf. All right, go ahead. What's I your always idea? have I always have worthwhile announcements there. Okay, that's true. Going, that's true. going on the offensive. There we are. <laughs> um, but here on Q Times, there's Predation, there's Operation Emberfall, and coming this Sunday, uh, from five to eight PM Pacific time, here on Q Times is premiering Rick Bud's new superhero RPG. Uh Rick Bud best known for tempting fate and for writing on Vast and the first season of Shield of Tomorrow is going to be applying so much comics nerddom 
to uh, the superhero story with uh, myself, with uh, B Zelda, who is in the cast of Aki's uh, World of the Apocalypse game, um, Omar Najam, and and uh, Caitlin Bruder, aka Moss. It's going to be super, 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 super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have sent way too much backstory to Rick Bud this Sunday, 5 to 8 p.m. So many good RPGs on two times, y'all. I'm excited. <laughs> I feel like none of us have free time and none of our viewers do either anymore because <laughs> if they, they're all having to watch and keep up. and Yes, we live to make you all suffer. Um, and on that note, I want to congratulate us because so far as I can remember, this is the first time in a long time our announcements have taken a full 10 minutes. And it kind of harkens me back to the old days. And I just really appreciate that. This familiarity is, yeah, I love it. So um, on that note, uh, which is a high note, by the way, because it's going to be fun watching Sam DeLeb play a superhero again and watching Rick Bud run a game again. And uh, Caitlin forever will be nicknamed Keebs for me, the Keebs. Um, with all of that locked into place, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Uh, I guess we're back, but we lost Jake when he was counting us in at five. So I'm going to go ahead and pretend <laughs> like we're back on. <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and start tonight's episode of Clear Skies. We are bringing up the episode during a welcome site on the bridge of the USS Ross on the view screen, just coming into view from thousands of kilometers away is the brilliant blue dot growing larger by the moment. Narendra Station shining in the starlight way out here on the edges of the frontier. This is a space station on the edge of unknown space. And it has been sort of the de facto home for the USS Ross, a home you guys have not seen for some time. Jumping around the galaxy and trying to put to rest the Romulan intrigue. It's the first time you guys have been back towards the station in some, some, some time. And seeing her appear on the view screen, seeing all the speckled dots of ships coming and going out of the uh, docking areas um, designated around the station itself, 
it's a welcome sight. And many of you who are seeing it for the first time in a while didn't realize how much you missed this place. Um, it is the home away from home. And as the USS Ross comes into communication range without the need of subspace beacon, of course, you hear the hailing frequency of Starbase 364. A woman's voice shining through on the comm saying, USS Ross, this is Narendra Station. We have you on our sensors. Welcome home. The bridge is silent for a long moment because it's a moment where all of you <laughs> are just now realizing how nonstop it has been. And some of you might feel a sense of exhaustion suddenly, realizing it's like that moment when you come home and you get in proximity of your bed and that's when it hits you. Holy hell, I've been dreaming about this all day. It's that same sort of sensation. There are no mission objectives ahead of the USS Ross. Currently, she is clear of all mission parameters. Her orders were simply to return to Narendra Station for debrief and a little bit of crew R&R. It's not officially shore leave because it's not extended stay. But Admiral April Heber has hinted to you, Captain Sull, that she has some pretty important matters to, uh, to discuss with you. She also let you know, in breach with standard surprised protocol of an, an inspection, that she is scheduled to give the USS Ross a full inspection, which admirals will occasionally do of starships. It's not unusual for an admiral to spring that on a captain. April, April Heber, though, like many admirals, don't like going deck by deck by deck, specifically of a starship of the sheer size of the USS Ross. Therefore, if you're given plenty of time to get things in short order, she can just be like, oh yeah, that looks good. Okay, great. Uh, and we're moving on. Admirals hate inspections almost as much as captains do. Um, she does let you know that she has some pretty interesting information and she lets you know that there, uh, in, in the text transmission you've got upon approach in Narendra Station, she informs you that there is actually a guest that's really looking forward to meeting you all. You see Vren Lacat with a big grin on his face as Narendra Station pulls into view. Um, but Lacat. Okay, so, so actually, question. Because yeah. I think that Lacat and Ren are friends enough at this point that she understands what his different kinds of grins are. Because I think that grinning is pretty much a standard for Ren. Yeah. Um, I think that's his default. Like, people, some people have resting bitch face. Ren has resting grin face. Resting um, grin face. Yeah. And I think that, uh, so so what, 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 what's the flavor of the grin? Um, it's that kind of smile that that Vryn gets when he sees a ship that he really likes, like okay. when he spot when he first spotted the Orion Interceptor, or when he sees like the size of the shuttle the shuttle bay. It's that sort of grin he gets when he sees like a spacefaring vessel of some type that he thinks is nice. Nerd. I'm just kidding. He, <laughs> the Narendra Station seems to please him greatly, but look at you. Do note that despite the color palette. Um, that beautiful blue of Vren's face, you'd notice that he looks worn. It's starting to really occur to you how worn down Vren looks. His hair is fine, his chops are fine, everything's immaculate, mm -hmm. his uniform is kept well, but his eyes, 
He doesn't look like he's been sleeping too much. Doesn't seem to be affecting his flying or his response times, but he doesn't look like he's been sleeping very much. And it doesn't really, it, it finally kind of is becoming noticeable to you. Of all the people that interact with Friend, you're the one that is constantly in closest contact with him. And you were typically the one that associates with him the most of the people on board the USS Ross. So maybe nobody else has seen it because they're just, it's Vren, but you're starting to notice it. Yeah. Uh, so Jane wears a ponytail. Um, so I think it's, cons like, it's, it's fair to say that she would have a stray, like, hairband on her. Mm -hmm. And she wants to uh, fling said hairband at Vren just to check his reflexes real quick. So from your chair, Captain, you just see something yeah. just dart across the bridge and smack yeah. him in the face. Yeah. Because <laughs> he uh, has his reflexes. He's a great pilot, so he's got great reflexes. A great, a great pilot that just got hit in the face with a hairband. Um, what is it with my crew and throwing things at people to test reflexes? This is rapidly becoming a motif. If it works, it works. I feel like and this yet, it has not to date. One day, it's I, mean, I think right now it is effectively proven that Jane needs to get her best friend to like get some rest. Um, as it hits him in the face, he kind of glances down and goes, "Did you drop that?" Yeah, from all the way over here. Sorry, can can you grab it for me? Uh, sure. Thanks. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> as he leans back to the helm. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I feel like when we get down to Narenda, we should, like, take it easy, you know? Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Do you have in mind? Uh, how do you suggest communal napping without sounding creepy? Um, this is what Jane is wondering right now. Um, just... <laughs> oh, I thought you were asking him that. He's like, well, Andorians are poly, so that I mean, doesn't sound creepy to me at all. Uh, <laughs> no, Jane keeps a straight face, and uh, essentially it's like, I don't know, we'll figure something out. I don't know. He nods, says, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, anyway, you've got a nerd grin on your face. What are you looking at? <sighs> uh, I miss Narendra, if I can be honest with you. Me too. It'll be nice to have a big open space over my head again. The main promenade. I mean, I love our promenade, don't get me wrong, but I don't know. Lots of people coming and going. You get to see all the people that are passing through the area. Space stations are always one of my favorite parts of space flight. I spent a lot of my youth on a space station. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, huh. yep. Grew up on a space station bouncing around here and there. Got to see a lot of amazing species coming and going. And I'm not talking about Federation species. I mean, people from across the spectrum in the galaxy. It really is what kind of got me wanting to fly and see everything. Then as it turns out, I was really good at dodging stuff. So they made me a combat pilot. Jane at this point has walked over, uh, picked up her own hairband okay. and flicked it at him again. <laughs> um, and if it hits him, she's going to say, not that good at dodging stuff. Well, I mean, flick that at the Ross and we'll see how we go. Uh, uh, let's get you on that space station. About that point, uh, 
Yeoman Shanto comes down the ramp to your left, Captain, and approaches both you and the commander with uh, a couple of data pads, and she hands them over to you and says, uh, here's a list of some of the activities that the Admiral has already sent to your main schedules. <laughs> Pretty thorough, really. She hands them to both of you and says, um, so apparently the Admiral is planning a dinner. being celebrated in this in style is this before or after the inspection it's supposed to be after the inspection i think it's a sort of a wave to unwind captain if i had to guess how's it coming along by the way commander the unwinding no the preparations for the inspection <laughs> oh those are finished now i have to prepare to unwind through food um, on that note, uh, Captain, uh, tech. Commander, uh, that's actually Commander what I was about to say. <laughs> she holds up the data pad and says, uh, Chief Tech has been very vocal about wanting to help with um, any food prep that might be taking place. Um, as the schedule has gotten around, uh, crew has already started to catch wind that there's probably going to be some kind of function at the wasted space on board the Narendra, on board Narendra Station. I, I did inform Chief Tech that most of the food is probably just going to be replicated cuisine. Um, uh, he has been very vocal about wanting to be a part of that. And so um, if, with your permission, Captain, I'm just going to go ahead and let him know that, that that's authorized. Do we know the chef de cuisine aboard Narendra? This could be edging on their turf. I don't want to start a a battle of the kitchens with the station we call home. I can look into that, Captain. Thank you. Please do. I'll let uh, I'll let the chief know that it's contingent on whether or not the Naringa staff is okay with that. Well, um, but uh, do have him consult with them for Axio, of course. Understood. Um, and uh, also, <laughs> rather persistently indicating it would appear that the the arrival of the USS Ross were getting a lot of requests for meetings. Um, I went ahead and put this on your docket, Ambassador, but apparently the Klingon Ambassador Jal has been demanding a meeting with you as soon as, as your earliest convenience upon your arrival. R&R &R indeed. Of course I'll see him. I'll uh, let him know. That's all I have for now, Captain. Oh, good. That's all. Uh, then we are back to drilling. Are you really sure that the Deck 11 labs are ready? Actually, they looked very... They looked a little sloppy in the last check. Trust me, that's it. Very clean. <laughs> oh, I oh. do say that just loud enough for Lakat to hear, because if it's labs, that means it was under Lakat's Balawick. Right. And uh, competitiveness <laughs> is uh, her favorite terrain. Yes. Oh, I'm you are so right. Lakat is paying attention. <laughs> yep. About that point, um, she pauses just as she's about to exit the bridge and, and steps back and says, I'm sorry, Captain, there was one, one more issue. Um, 
it's a minor thing, and he emphasized that it's not a priority, but uh, Sorex has been asking for a bit of time with either you or Commander Exio about the possibility of contributing some way as a crew member on board the ship. Uh, in, in his own words, actually contributing this time. Fair enough, yes. Uh, do you want to take this one, or shall I, or shall we? Huh. Let's do it together. After dinner. Yes, we've been split on too many projects. Let's have something <laughs> we're doing together for once. I shoulder check her just very lightly. I don't sleep, but I'm quite tired, Captain. <laughs> Something occurs to both of you as as you see just beyond uh, Yeoman Shanto, as she steps aside, you see the view screen. Narendra looks busy. There's a lot of freighters coming and going, a lot of civilian craft. Um, you don't see any Klingon ships um, in the vicinity, but you do see uh, currently what looks like docked nearby is the USS Jameson, which is a Nebula-class starship. Um, it is not too far, uh, just outside the, uh, the perimeter of where the uh, a lot of the civilian craft are docking or standing by in tractor beam. But this is the first time you've seen one of these vessels out this far. Nebula classes are, of course, kind of becoming these days at this era in the Federation, the Nebula class starship is being used primarily as essentially mobile research platforms. These aren't necessarily deep space exploration craft anymore. Instead, they're constantly used, particularly in post-Dominion War, they've been used for uh, rescue operations, um, relief efforts, running medical supplies, and conducting research on spatial anomalies, that sort of thing. The Intrepid class has been more and more becoming the workhorse of the scientific fleet. Seeing this vessel um, is kind of a surprise. You haven't seen uh, one of the uns... Uh, the only other ships that are out here that are Federation are the USS Thunderchild and the USS Johnson. So the Jameson is, is a new sight to see. I have a soft spot for Nebula classes. So. I always like them too. It brings a smile to my face. Uh, it's my first command. Right. Wait, wait were you, uh, remind me, was it a Nebula class? That you were, okay. So. Let's do this real quick. I do. In the process of this exchange, cut my eyes to the ambassador very quickly, then to Lucat, then to Shanto, then back to the ambassador. That is okay. the totality of this interaction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bryn gets the indication that uh, the USS Ross is clear to dock, brings it down to maneuvering thrusters only as the Ross begins to pull alongside Narendra Station. Of course, the Ross. Um, being quite the sight to see, the NX class is probably drawing a lot of views from people inside the main hub of the station. Um, the only one of her kind pulling into view just outside. As she comes to a full stop, Narendra Station indicates that a tractor beam has been engaged. The Ross's momentum is slowing to zero. 
A few moments later, you hear Vryn say, confirmed, we are now in synchronous orbit and engaging maneuvering thrusters, disengaging. We are docked with Narendra Station, Captain. Thank you very much, Mr. Fran. Well, let's get staff who are ordered on station down to the transporter rooms and off my ship. You hear and the indication from everybody that we have now arrived at Narendra Station. All department heads, please assemble your teams. And the crew begins to become a, just a hive of activity as everyone is both eager to finish up their job duties on board the USS Ross, reconnect with family they haven't seen that's been stationed on Narendra this whole time. Um, everyone is also very much aware that a flag officer is gonna be on board in a little while. So there's a lot of activity. The next hour, no one even gets a chance to leave the Ross. Everyone is kind of scattered around, getting prepared, fixing things up, making sure that everything is in so short order so that once the inspection is finished, they can get the hell off the ship as quickly as possible. Um, families, of course, have begun to congregate around the main hub of Narendra Station on the, uh, on the, on the main uh, level of the promenade. Um, we'll cut to the transporter room, uh, transporter room one as beaming into view you see Admiral April Hebert in full dress uniform with a grin on her face and her arms folded behind her back as she appears in front of all of you. Everyone, uh, of course, uh, Prawl, who's uh, the Chief Officer of Security on Duty, also blows the letting everybody know that the flag officer is on board. Everybody's standing at attention. And she steps down from the transporter pad and walks straight up to you, Captain, and says, Captain Saul, permission to come aboard. French Admiral, pleasure to have you. It's good to see you, Azri, and extends her hand. And, and you, it's been too long. Too long. How are you doing, Exio? Very well, Admiral. Um, thank you. I have to say, reading the debrief reports from the USS Ross is some of the most extraordinary storytelling I have seen in my years in Starfleet. Happy to be an entertaining read at this time of the world, the universe. You know, that's I'm appropriate way of saying that, <laughs> Commander, considering that the thing that has been catching the most eye is the indication that there may have been temporal agents involved in some of your exploits recently. Though... That was squashed rather rapidly by the Department of Temporal. You know, we can put that aside. Let's not deal with that right now. All that matters right now is the USS Ross is finally back and there's a lot to go over. So let me look at this big, beautiful ship and we can get to the whole story as to what we've got planned. And with that, really, She's led throughout the ship. Yes, what's up, Ambassador? I'm so sorry. I actually wanted to jump back just a little bit um, sure. to the bridge uh, and that look that the captain gave me and what okay. exactly that <laughs> This is like that uh, moment in Netflix where you're like onto the next scene. You're like, wait a wait minute. Pause. So like, what am I getting off of all three of those people and all of that situation just real, real fast? Well, so. 
Um, I'll let I'll let the players on the bridge speak for themselves. From Vren, Vren is you're definitely. Oh, getting... I think it was it was Shanto. I think that they were. Oh, Asmi Shanto. Shanto's. Uh, you you get Shanto's mildly stressed. She's probably everyone with the approach of Narendra Station and USS Ross docking at Narendra. She's probably everyone is probably demanding her time from the crew to the admiralty. And uh, since she is the one that's running interference for the captain to make sure nobody swamps both Exio and the captain, she's basically like holding off an army by herself. So you're kind of getting this sort of like, oh God, I can't wait to get off. I can't wait to get off the ship and just. Um, is, that a, is that a phrasing laugh that I'm getting from you, Xander? I'm just, no, I just don't trust you anymore. Don't you and Sam, me. you and Sam are the biggest culprits. Every time there's a phrasing moment. I am <laughs> Innocent. <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm not in this scene. <laughs> okay. So, but yes, you're getting exhaustion from her. Um, but for the most part, you are getting a sense of relief. You are sensing Exio. Was the other question I was going to ask? Yep, that was not an anomaly. That's still happening. It's been taking some getting used to for both of you. But you are actually sensing Exio's emotional state as well. I don't think that we've had a conversation about that yet. So we have not. Um, <laughs> I would say Exio's complexion, I'll, I'll tell you what you feel, um, Exio's complexion is as perfect ex as ever, but you feel bags under her eyes. <laughs> she, she was not kidding about what she said to the captain. She does not need sleep, but she is tired. Hmm. Got it. And uh, my, my, my little sister, the cat, how's she feeling? <laughs> um, I mean... Uh, one, you feel concern for Ren because Ren hasn't slept. Um, and like Cap thinks, Shanto is very hot and uh, does not want to be embarrassed in front of her crush. And that is as complicated as it gets, quite honestly. Two feelings. Like, now, two feelings. I, I would say that this might be, if, if I remember correctly, this is the first, <laughs> I'm just picturing in my head um olin just kind of looking over the bridge and then looking back at like cat like what <laughs> because if i remember correctly this is actually the first time that that emotion has actually been strongly expressed uh for shanto but not the first time that olin has ever felt the cat feel something like that, that. you're right. so right yeah it's not the first you time they've felt that from the cat right on the cat with her ex absolutely yeah. here we go here we go, indeed. And then, of course, Captain? Uh, of course, as always, uh, Orions are just a little bit harder to pick up a read from. So it feels mostly like we're, like, it's like the LaCroix of uh, empathic powers. <laughs> you're not getting the full flavor of what they're feeling, but you're getting <laughs> It drove past it on the freeway once. It wanted to be grape flavored, but it's is that? Um, but it crime? is <laughs> uh, crime, crime, um, mm. vibing off of uh, a little bit of lacat and just a little bit of mischief, just a little bit of mischief. I can't believe you called out uh, deck eleven in front of my crush cap. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I needed to. Wait, did you just say that out loud on the bridge? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. I it very loudly. <laughs> thank you for say, allowing is that me a to conversation that everyone's hearing. 
Thank you for allowing me to rewind a little bit. I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. That was great. Well, clearly that was a gift. Um, okay. So the inspection takes about an hour, which is about two hours shorter than most inspections take. Um, Ebert just kind of glances over things. She sees the engine core, the computer core. She gets a brief like overview of how Exio is apart from the main computer, but also integrated into the ship systems. And she also marvels at the size of the Exio main uh, computer core. She visits Dr. Yada, asks Dr. Yada about shore leave and how the Odanians and cetacean officers uh, have their shore leave. Uh, and let's and Dr. Yada lets them know that um, Odanians they have holographic projectors inside of their living space. They can go on shore leave at any particular second that they want, and uh, they have a kind of a funny conversation back and forth. Yada, of course, being quite loud, and I I guess would you describe Yada as flamboyant? Like kind of like over like maybe when Yada's joyful and. <laughs> uh, Moving throughout the ship, of course, she inspects the secondary warp core. Um, and as y'all are standing there in front of the secondary, so we're actually going to we're actually going to do this now. You're on they're on you're on the main deck of the secondary warp core. Now, this warp core uh, is actually it's a little bit smaller, of course, than the main warp core built into the saucer section. Um, using some of the more up-to-date systems, of course, being connected to the saucer section and whatnot. This secondary warp core. For the lack of a better way of describing this, looks a little more future tech than the standard warp core engine room. And the reason why is because if this the primary warp core is the beating heart of the ship, this one is sort of like an implant that even gives it more juice. So it's interconnected with a lot of the plasma co power conduits that flow throughout the area. As a result, this sort of secondary engineering section always has an ambient glow and has this sort of like trace lines of plasma energy conduits that have been sealed off running in the walls and whatnot. It's quite beautiful, in fact. Um, but the our Admiral- Our ship has two hearts, our ship is a Time Lord? What's that? Our, sh our ship has two hearts. Yes. <laughs> yes. No wonder temporal affairs got involved. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, as she's Which deck is our swimming pool? <laughs> oh, oh y'all are getting me all nostalgic now. Y'all are getting me nostalgic. Um, speaking, oh no, 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 that's gonna that's I'm ADHDing into a sidebar that has nothing to do with this game, so we're gonna pause for a second. Go back, um, go back, go back. Go back rewind. I'm Netflixing. Come on, come on. So, Admiral, the Admiral looks about around this engine room. She glances up at the engine core, and she looks over at you, Chief Tech, who is standing there with your engineering team. <laughs> She walks up to you and says, Chief, I'm going to do you a favor. Admiral? Can you keep a secret? Oh, it depends on who you ask. Is it a secret that's going to hurt somebody else? Because I'm not too good at that. But if it's a surprise party, I'm pretty good at that. It's kind of in the surprise party. Oh, good. Well, that I can handle. Hit me. All right. Can you act surprised? I sure can. Not for me, but when... You'll understand when I tell you. Okay. I was asked to keep that as a surprise, and I suspect because he's up to no good, but I wanted to let you know that Dr. DeBulch Maroney is here. He flew in on the USS Jameson specifically, and we'll oh. get to what's going on, but he wants to have access to the ship, and he wants to talk to you. What? I mean, 
does this have anything to do with his discoveries and scientific work? Or is he just as a curiosity? I don't know, but he seemed keen on surprising you. And my experience with that particular Tellarite tells me that it's probably best to be prepared. That is true. Okay, I will. I, I yes, thank you for telling me, Admiral. I I'm really surprised when you meet him. <gasps> meet who? Thank you, Chief. Remember, I did you this favor. <clears throat> I, I will. She pivots on her heel and says, "Captain, why don't we call this a successful inspection?" USS Ross looks like she's in fine shape, considering everything that you've been through including detonating a torpedo near a particle fountain, which should have sheared the Ross in half. Well done. I have a very good engineering team. I would did agree. did an excellent you. job putting her back together after that stunt. Well, why don't we do this? Your crew now has permission to disembark and come aboard Starbase 364. We have a meeting to you, me, and Exio. And Ambassador, if you'd like to be there for that as well, it's probably pertinent to you that you know what's going on. But I'd like to talk to the three of you. And then after that, we'll of course have our little social function. And maybe we can all get some rest tonight. Excellent, Admiral. I'll lean over to Exio and just say, cry havoc and let slip. Okay, the corridors of the USS Ross become very crowded as people start making their way to the transporter rooms and shuttle base. Um, a crew of 2,000 plus people uh, coordinating when they are going to come and go. Of course, the duty shifts, it's not everybody flooding off the Ross en masse, but the duty shifts, of course, fulfilling their obligations and setting up. But there are at least 800 people that are about to disembark from the USS Ross onto the Naranja Station. Um, with that, we will go ahead, unless there's anything else, we'll go ahead and cut to the debrief scene with Admiral April Hebert. Okay. On board Narendra Station, if you can imagine uh, those scenes when multiple flights have arrived at an airport, and so there are hundreds upon hundreds of people filling a big public area. Remember what that was like back in the day? <laughs> and you could see families reuniting. You see a bunch of officers hugging their spouses and children as crew, as the ox crew disembarks onto Narendra Station. Um, you even see a couple of Klingon officers welcoming a few of the Federation officers that they have made friends with back. Um, a lot of congregation happening on board the Narendra Station. You've also noticed the promenade of Narendra Station has changed. There is a lot of civilian shops set up here now it used to be a single shop or two but in just the like month and a half that you guys have been intermittently coming and going off in narendra station this place has become something of a like a mini ds9 this place is kind of booming with civilian shops all over the place and you're starting to see a lot of people coming to narendra station with the promise of a new frontier out here in the shackleton expanse particularly because ever since word has gotten back that the Romulan Star Empire has begun to stabilize, people are starting to feel a little safer about being on this side of space and a little bit better about being on this side of the Romulan border. Lots of good vibes. And I will say this, anybody who is empathic is picking up on joy, 
nostalgia, happiness, people, people greeting each other, throwing their arms around each other. Um, <clears throat> um, you see images of like children letting their parent know that they turned four while the parent was gone. Like all of these scenes are playing out in front of all of you as you disembark from the USS Ross, as crew people from, from Starfleet all across the spectrum are reconnecting with friends that they haven't seen for a while during your deep space assignment. When you enter Admiral Hebert's office, you see um, her office, however, hasn't changed at all. It's still that towering window behind her desk that looks out over the sort of the dockyard, as it were, for all the civilian ships that are coming and going. You can see the Nebula-class starship captain, so it does kind of ring that bell of nostalgia. That long, big, beautiful saucer that's very reminiscent of the Galaxy-class. Um, this looks like this, you can tell just because of your intense familiarity with the Nebula class, this class starship looks like it's one of the Nebula classes that has been modified. Almost every old workhorse ship got modified during the Dominion War and updated because it, it needed to be. Um, the Federation had to go from an exploratory force to a defense force very quickly. And so a lot of the Nebula classes were upgraded with enforced hulls, weaponry, the na you name it. This one looks like it was one of the ones that was upgraded with reinforced hulls because as you look out over the saucer section of this ship, you can see the plating across the hull. This is a tough looking ship, probably used now to transport dignitaries. But the Admiral moves around the other side of her desks and she immediately just unclasps ceremoniously. She's like, all right, I give you full permission to kick your feet up right now. She unbuttons the dress uniform and just pops open and just lets like her tank top show as she just kind of pulls open the dress uniform. She goes, I've always hated dress uniform. And she slides into her chair and says, all right. So before we get into anything else, Big news I'm going to drop on all three of you is that the USS Ross has been authorized and scheduled by Starfleet Command to undergo a refit. I grab Exio's hand and squeeze it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that pleases you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Sometimes captains aren't a big fan of, their, of people coming in and messing with their ships. The refit should take about two weeks here at Narendra Station. The Jameson has been sent here to help supplement the refits. It's one of the reasons why our fave, our ship designer is here. That so, should ease over Chief Tech's mind. Well, hopefully Chief Tech can work well with Dr. Maroney, but it's been my experience that ship designers and chief engineers don't get along. It's one thing well, to design a starship. What's that? Maybe not getting along will help them get along. You never know. Dr. Maroney is not like any Tellarite I've ever met. He's unpredictable and uncommonly polite for the most part. Um, but he still has a temper. So we'll see how that goes. But um, you have Admiral's authorization to use the stun setting if you need it <clears throat> on either one of them. <laughs> that being said, start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna say there's that you know when you're so tired and like you're like you're so sort of in your job yeah. and the moment that someone else is being overly casual and in and 
it almost becomes comical. Like mm -hmm. right now, the Admiral's behavior is incredibly comical to Exio right now, where she's it's just like there's almost like a little bit of a laugh coming out of Exio okay. right now. Um, not a not a like laughing at her, but just a that this doesn't seem real after everything that they've been through. <laughs> right. If Exio was drinking, this would be a spit take if she could drink non-holographic water. <laughs> it would be it would be more like the when the person keeps going to take a drink and then they keep listening and then they're like, mm -hmm. okay, that, that sounded a little bit more normal. I'm sorry, now you're taking <laughs> off your dress uniform. What's going on? <laughs> like... um, she, you see, after a few moments, she leans far back in her chair and kicks one of her feet up onto her desk and says, so the USS Ross, yeah. Your ship is getting an upgrade, Captain. You should be proud of this. The USS Ross is going to be upgraded with high resolution sensors for her travels in the Shackleton Expanse. You have made my chief science officer so happy and she doesn't even know it yet. Go ahead and write this down on the Ross's character sheet, y'all. The Ross is gaining uh, high resolution sensors the vessel sensors now can gain large amounts of accurate data, though they are extremely sensitive. While the vessel is not in combat, any successful task that is assisted by the ship sensors gain one bonus momentum. Done. Hmm. It's like flying on an Intrepid class again. Uh, however, <laughs> um, she does let you know that uh, the reason why Dr. Maroney is here is because this is going to make the Ross one of the most advanced starships in the fleet. She's going to have quite the suite on her now, considering all of the systems that are jam-packed into her frame. High-resolution sensors is really pushing the limits of what she's capable of. So Dr. Maroney's here to make sure that once these high-resolution sensors are brought online and scans are conducted, that it doesn't blow out the entire sensor grid. I want this to be a refit and not a repair. We certainly appreciate that. I think the chief will as well. Good, because you're going to love your first mission. Once everything is up and going, the Ross will be sent out to test her high resolution sensors. So as you might say in the old days, Captain, milk runs. Nice, relaxing, sweeping scan of the Shackleton Expanse. And hopefully these sensors will also help you detect these anomalies that you're encountering more and more often out there. I keep a grin on my face and mm -hmm. very softly with my left hand, I reach down and just tap against the wooden chair leg. Okay. Milk run. She continues and says, also you'll be happy to know that the Federation Council is now in direct contact with the Jashashian people and they have transferred a lot of the data that they have from their science community on how they detect subspace anomalies before they form. It's pretty extraordinary. A lot of it has to do with the crystal technology that they developed on their planet, which we've never had access to before. We're predicting that in the next 10 years, we will be able to accurately predict with two months notice when a particle fountain might form in subspace. That is a tremendous scientific achievement built on the back of a tremendous diplomatic success. So, I mean, look at this. She looks at this data pad, pulls it up in front of her and goes, 
There's one other thing, but I'm going to let that one be a surprise for later. For now, Sorry. I'm going to let it be a surprise for later, Captain. Understood. For now, you and your crew kick back a little bit. No dress uniform required for tonight's function. It's simply going to be a dinner party with live music, good food, and on that note, yes, Chief Tech is welcome if he wants to interact with our chefs. Many of them are Bolian, so they'll be happy to meet Chief Tech. I'll pass the word along. Is there anything else? Would y'all like to inquire about anything? So much has happened here in the Ranger. If I can be honest with you, Captain, I don't even know where to begin and what last thing you knew what was happening around here. So if you've got any questions, go ahead and ask them. I'm particularly curious about the current uh, temperature of uh, diplomatic situations here on the station, if you don't mind us getting a little bit serious for a moment. <laughs> <clears throat> Diplomatic situation in Narendra Station has become somewhat sedate ever since the departure of one Admiral Mindak. It seems that the tensions have gone down significantly. Admiral Mindak was here. Well, he was in the sector. Well, he never came to Narendra. Okay. <laughs> but that has certainly been motivated. That has been affecting the tone of all the diplomatic conversations that have been happening in every Romulan and Klingon embassy across the quadrant. How's I can tell you, hmm? Ambassador Pagino handled it? Well, that's what I was going to say. I say things have been sedate, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're calm. It just means it's not as loud anymore. Ambassador, I'm glad you're back because honestly, I can't tell if everyone's getting ready to plan to backstab one another or if everyone's finally getting along. Oh, if only I could wish and hope it were the second one. I will tell you that the Klingons are being very Klingon still about the presence of the Romulan embassy. They feel like Ambassador Pagino bullied his way in here. And that the best way to explain to the Romulan Star Empire that they can't simply put their ambassadors wherever they want is by injuring them. We've had a few incidents, nothing involving Pagino himself, but Romulan staff and Klingon staff intermingling, it was a little rough at the top. It's mellowed out ever since then. And Pagino's Riemann uh, uh, companions? What of them? Have they caused any trouble or been harassed in any way? Vrotek, if he has experienced any harassment, he is very reaming about it. He's not saying anything. I haven't received any complaints and I haven't heard of any security issues. Cargan, on the other hand, likes to scream at me at every chance he gets. He is still not happy. The general makes it known every day that he does not believe the Romulan should be here and that it's an insult to the Klingon Empire. Ambassador Jahl assures me that that is not the case and that the House of Martok is a forward-thinking house and welcomes this opportunity for new relations, particularly because the Romulans fought alongside us during the Dominion War. I think Cargan perhaps doesn't see it that way because Cargan sat behind his desk during the Dominion War. 
Well, I appreciate your candor, Admiral. I, um, been a little bit concerned myself while we've been away about how things have been going here, so I am also glad to be back. Well, unless there's anything else. Oh, Exio. That reminds me. We've upgraded the hollow emitters here on the station. You're not going to have any resolution problems walking the main promenade anymore. I thought I felt something different. Thank you. If there's nothing else, I'll let you off to go play. She smirks. Thank you. We'll see you this evening. See you this evening. Now get out of my office. I got a lot of ridiculously needless paperwork to go through. The perils of command, sir. Thank Don't you. ever give up that center chair, Azari. Retire before they give you the bars. Don't ever give up that center chair. So I've heard. She nods to you both and then nods to you, Ambassador, and returns behind her desk and pours herself a drink just as y'all are leaving the office. Hmm. All right. May I grab an aside with you, Captain? Of course. We'll catch up I'm going to go ahead and find Ambassador Jahl, and I will see the two of you uh, at dinner tonight. See you at dinner. Do you need a weapon? No. Or a data packet? The data packet, actually, I wouldn't mind. Um, but the weapon, I think, uh, I'll pass on. I have one sure. behind my teeth, and it works pretty well. <laughs> we both know information is a weapon. Come on, you two. Anything's <laughs> a weapon if you throw it hard enough. I mm. thought you said no more throwing, Captain. Well, not from medical diagnostic purposes. It's totally different. See you in a bit. All right. Y'all are now free to do as you please. Anybody who wants a scene, we can take it in whatever order you wish. Gina, did you want to start? Yeah. Did you want to do the aside with the captain? Does yeah, just, have the conversation? We can start there. Yeah, sure. Just just a quick okay. thing. Um, so I will uh, tell you this: it's true. When Exio and Captain Saul walk onto the promenade deck, it's like walking on the Ross. The hollow emitters are immediately transferring your program seamlessly as you move from sector to sector on the, across the grid. Um, you're not just you're not in, you're not getting any disruption from the transmission, and your ring is holding steady. Like it's. Are you, oh wait, I should ask you, are you using the ring? Not, you're not, right? No, we, yeah, so, I, I don't believe we've had time to do that yet, but we have right. been having the conversations. The they're just more difficult, hence the brain fog and tiredness. Right. Sifting through many <laughs> levels of new coding is really just a lot. <laughs> right. Well, I will say, um, the, the the program transfer here on the station is it, it's not the best way to describe it is it's a shoe that doesn't quite fit but the soles are comfortable hmm. it's kind of how it feels moving across the ranger station not quite as comfy because it wasn't designed for you 
That's all right. New shoes are always uncomfortable. (laughs) Until they're broken in, and yours. And I'm sure all the holograms on board will slowly feel more comfortable. It'll be good when they upgrade the holometers off of the main corridor as well. Yes. It all takes time. Yeah, yeah it it's a huge, incredibly advanced system. Lots of hours going into making that happen. So Right, but Sol doesn't care. Sol wants access for their friend. They I want full access and they want it right now. <laughs> but Sam, accessibility takes time. And and sometimes it just takes too many resources to change them. Blah, blah. And there goes Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Exio, you're standing next to uh, the captain as y'all head yes. out into the main promenade after leaving the office. Yes. Um, okay. I hand them uh, my data pad. Okay. And I say, um, with your permission, Captain, I know that Admiral has just informed us that we have, or that she has rather a rather large workload of paperwork, but. Um, I wrote some letters of recommendation for some of our crew, and oh god, I was really hoping to submit them. Good. About half of the purpose of this stay on Narendra Station is to harangue Admiral Hebert until at least everybody has a black pit that's gold or a new. (laughs) Just. Yes. Let them test reflexes with those. <laughs> um, I might inquire if you could add some words of your own to my report in regards to Chief Tech. As you know, he has been asked to do things well above what he should be asked to do. And I believe that he, though he has enjoyed it, um, something should be awarded some recognition. Oh, I have a plan for the chief. We'll have to see if he's interested. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Let us walk the finely tuned corridors, Captain. (laughs) All right. We'll cut to Ambassador Olin Majanil stepping into the Klingon Embassy. Um, The Klingon Embassy does have a staff member. There's a woman dressed in ceremonial robes of like the high nobility office of the house of Martok with the bandolier, the symbol of the house, her hair, these long braids uh, falling down about her shoulders. She stands up wearing these deep reds and golds and says, may I help you? Yes, Ambassador Jal is expecting me. I'm uh, Ambassador Owen Majanil of the USS Ross. Yes. Yes, Ambassador Marginil. He's been expecting you all right, impatiently. I apologize for his state if he offends you today. He's in a mood. Oh, I rarely meet him when he's not, so it should be pretty par for the course. (laughs) She motions to the door. You can go in. 
Thank you. Uh, and your name is? McCraw. McCraw. It's very nice to meet you, McCraw. And you, Ambassador. And, right. yep, they head to the door. The door slides open, and the is just like you remember the office, you see he is in the middle of what looks like a massage. He is currently slumped over um, this, like, heavy cushioned it looks like maybe like some kind of like it was one of those massage chairs where you kind of throw your arms over um it looks like he's got his typical coat he's thrown over it you know he's he's a heavy set klingon but the judging from the way he's kind of bent over this thing he's probably you're getting a sense olin that this is a klingon just from looking at the scars all over his back and his arms Un, not unusual to see a Klingon who's probably seen a lot of action in his time, um, but this is more than you might have expected. Um, you kind of pause for a second because as he's slumped over this, like practically punching and beating on his back is <laughs> this. <laughs> there's a, what looks like a Vulcan at first glance, kind of like getting a good look at this. It's somebody who is hooded. You can see that as the hood is kind of like falling back a bit from the constant body motion of like pounding on this thing's back, you do see the point of ears coming out from hair that is slightly longer than normal. And you do not see any ridge on the forehead. So there's no indication this is a Romulan or something, but you see just the pounding going on. And as you step in, this this masseuse looks up at you the same time that the Klingon does and goes, Ambassador! And he gets up enough that it almost shoves the masseuse back and he stands up just wearing this towel around his waist and goes, Oh, um, I need to speak with you. Yes, I was told that you did. Uh, that'll, that'll be all. It is a Vulcan. The Vulcan pulls the hood back and nods and gathers their things. Um, Probably middle-aged Vulcan from the looks of it. Um, an old enough, perhaps, that you see some lines forming on the face, but he looks quite pleasant and nods and takes up oils and a bunch of these other devices that he's got to work through species that probably have thicker and tougher muscle musculature and skin and anatomy than most people do. And well, uh, if anybody can not. give a massage to a Klingon, it's a Vulcan. So. It's a Vulcan, right? I mean, talk about deep tissue. That's somebody who could probably lift the Klingon off the ground if you needed to. But this, uh, as he leaves, walks past you, um, you see the ambassador just says, it's been a while since I've worked at Doubt Rave. No, no Rave. <laughs> <laughs> The ambassador, um, you see the ambassador uh, moves over to the side of his desk and just says, it's been a while since I've had a moment to relax. Ever since the damn Romulans got on board this station, feels like this place is going to explode at any minute if it weren't for the voice of reasons. Of which, by the way, I am the only one left on this station. Your admiral doesn't take any notice of what's going on with the Romulans. It's me running interference and trying to keep Cargan from ruining everything and to try to keep the Romulans from provoking him. Well, I have good news and bad news. I'll take the bad news first. The bad news is that I leave in three weeks. I'm sorry, two weeks. The good news is, is I'm here for two weeks. 
Two weeks is plenty of time. Excuse me for a moment. He takes up the coat and steps into his into his quarters off to the left. You see him, shh. Door doesn't close, but he vanishes around the corner and he calls out after you and says, uh, there's a very delicate matter that I've been trying to speak with you about. I didn't want to do it over subspace, though. Honestly, that was probably for the best. Given what we were going through, it might have been intercepted anyway. Yes, I heard about the incident with Mindak. Klingon Intelligence was keeping their eye on that one. Oh, were they? Well, they were trying to, but Romulans always were better at cloaking devices than we were. And then he comes stepping out wearing this big, hefty, thick, furred coat that he always seems to be wearing. Um, steps around the desk, and the old man plops down into his chair and says, Take, sit down, sit down. Can I get you anything to drink, Ambassador? Well, I don't know. Is it too early to start now? It's you never this- too early to start on Narendra Station, Ambassador. Big dinner tonight. Are you going to be there? You see him spit this Klingon swear word that is pretty, if translated into into Terran, would be unrepeatable. And he looks back at you and just says, I forgot that there is a function tonight. Would you like to be my, uh, my, my plus one? We can protect each other. Uh, yes, actually, yes, that would be that would be good. Yes, yes, I find this to be acceptable. I am pleased. Thank you. So, how can I help you, Ambassador Jal? I am here for two weeks, and I think that if I can be of help to you, then might as well go ahead and take advantage of it. I hate Earth music. Well, hopefully they don't play just Earth music. They're going to, though. Jazz, they call it. Oh. Jazz can be quite a bit of fun to dance to. If you have the right partner. And you're drunk enough. Mm. Well, I guess we'll see. (laughs) The point... Hmm. Uh, pardon me and he taps a couple of buttons on his desk and you hear the sound of the door behind you going which is Hmm. the door mechanism locking taps a couple of other buttons and you hear this low hum that begins to fill the air now your time being an ambassador, I'm not going to have you... Actually, you know what? Let's have you roll so we can get some momentum on this party. So, um... Let's get some momentum going. I'm going to say make a insight command check. The difficulty will be one. No, let's make the difficulty zero. And if you want to spend for obtain information, you can. We'll say the okay. difficulty is zero. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Uh, I've got two successes. Okay. Um, he's activated a system to both not only lock the door, but it, it would be virtually impossible for a listening device or somebody nearby to hear what's about to be said. If you want to obtain more information, you have the option. Um, 
I don't remember him doing this the last time we spoke in this no, room. You've never seen this before. Not from him anyway. You're familiar with this kind of technology. Sometimes ambassadors will use it, especially if there are other embassies nearby, or it's not unusual to see embassies install this on their very own inside their own space. This is technically Klingon territory you're in right now. So I guess my obtain information would be what's Why is he changed? doing this? What's state? Yeah. yeah. How, like what's what what am I getting off of him in general? Like I obviously he seems to be exhausted, but agitated is is his emotional state. He seems slightly agitated, which isn't unusual for him. Okay. Did you want to obtain information, or do you want to just keep going? Either way, um, we haven't had the chance to talk at all yet. So, is it possible for me to save that obtain information until we've had a little bit more conversation? You wouldn't be able to say that, but you could certainly roll again. And knowing okay. that Olin is geared to reading people like this, you could probably divine what's going on later by an information spend if you needed to. Okay, let's try yeah. that. Yeah, opportunity won't be lost. This is mostly just like, how much do you want to know going in? But we can play on. So after this humming comes on and you begin to recognize the telltale signs of your experience in the, embass in the embassy staff of like someone... <laughs> I'm laughing at Bonnie because Bonnie's like, all right, here we go. I'm going to write some shit down. Um, <laughs> um, the the noise, the, the humming indicates that you're about to learn some stuff that this is a Klingon that doesn't want anyone else to hear. As it turns on, he checks, double checks to make sure that the system is running and leans forward and says, there's been some developments since you've been gone. And it has nothing to do with the Romulans, or at least I don't think it does. Well, that is interesting. I have a Klingon commander that believes she may have uncovered evidence that General Cargan has been dealing in illicit activities here on Narendra Station. By illicit, you mean Piracy? Possibly piracy, but at the very least, it involves ancient foes within the Klingon Empire. Specifically, are you familiar with the House of Duros, Ambassador? Oh, they've never been a particular headache of mine, but yes, I am familiar with the House of Duros. I wish I had something original to tell you when it came to this intrigue, but the truth of the matter is, is we believe that agents of the House of Duras might be allying with Sila once again, and Cargan might be helping them. Can't teach an old dog new tricks, apparently. I don't want to drag you or your Federation friends into this, so I'm keeping you mostly out of it, but... I do need your help. Of course. My source is the commander of the IKS Borku, who is currently stationed near the Romulan neutral zone. She believes that she has uncovered evidence that Cargan is not who he pretends to be. I've also come to believe that this is the case as he has ordered the IKS Borku to return immediately to Narendra Station where I believe he intends to make an example of her. I've heard of the IKS Borku. I've met some of her crew. 
Mm. A relatively new crew as Klingon ships go. Minor house currently being courted by a few of the major houses. The Borku was the prototype, in fact, for the Kavort-class bird of prey before it was redesigned into the Kavort as it is now. Hmm. They're a very efficient crew. <laughs> ah, they're out of their minds. It's a crew filled with rabble and barely knows what they're doing. Sometimes they stumble into success, but I will give the commander this. Once her crew decides to see something through, they typically see it through, no matter how many bodies they have to leave in their wake. But in this case... Or skidding across a pool through some oil. Um, you know about that? I was there. You were there for that? <laughs> I was. I was watching from the bar. <laughs> it was very entertaining. Hmm. Hmm. Commander Baymere is going to make a fine commander if she survives this. If she has to return to Narendra Station, I'm convinced it will be her life. So, in a small window of time, I need help uncovering the corruption of General Cargan, and I can't do that because, as Klingon ambassador, with no evidence that there is corruption, I would be easily discovered. However, if I look on the outside, it's possible. But I would need to call this in as a favor, and I would need to be clear to you, Ambassador, that if, if you do help me with this, and you are caught, it's Chancellor like Martok will have to condemn it. Of course. Then I best make sure I'm not caught. <laughs> he leans across the desk and clasps your shoulders and he says, I will owe you a great favor for this. And I suspect the commander of the Borku. I will do yeah. everything that is in my power to do to help you and her. Now, I must ask, is there anybody in your crew that knows something about espionage? Gosh, I couldn't possibly think of anyone. I can almost see a smash cut to Sorex and Azari Sol like drinking together, asking how each other's day were. <laughs> like, um, he leans back in his chair and says, well, let's discuss this further later. We also have an ally in the Klingon Empire, one of my captains. He will follow orders to the end, but right now he's trying to delay the destruction of the commander. We she must sounds like She sounds like she must be something quite special to have your protection and your respect. I am Klingon. To my bone, to my heart, and my soul, I swear loyalty to the Empire. I follow the teachings of Kalis, and I hope that I do not die an old man, but in battle. That being said, I don't mind telling you, Ambassador, 
that the way the Klingon Empire has treated women from the dawn of time is an embarrassment. We don't ever, ever utilize some of our most brilliant officers, and now we are finally seeing that change. Commander Bemir is a small group that's finally showing what it is to be Klingon. It's not only just that she is a competent commander who's looking out for the well-being of a minor house. She is an honorable Klingon. Her and her crew is ridiculous as they may be. And they follow her to their deaths if they would. That's a Klingon worth protecting. Klingon worth having as an ally. Certainly more worthy of station than General Cargan. Well, anybody willing to complain that loudly all the time is probably... Well, my opinion hardly matters, but... Yes. I will do what I can. And I will see what I can do about espionage. It shouldn't be too difficult. Hopefully. Uh, makes my skin crawl having to say it. I don't like sneaking about. If I had my way, I would simply walk up to Cargan's office and put my batleth in his head. But I'm not a young man anymore. Trust me, I'm not particularly fond of it either. And you've already seen I'm no good at it, so... <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, don't tell your captain I said that. <laughs> I wouldn't dare repeat such a thing to my captain. Besides, well, I believe that if you really wanted them to know, you'd tell them yourself. I'm going to go get ready for this ridiculous function. Shall I pick you up? <laughs> yes. He stands up from the desk and says, see you in an hour. I'll see you then. We're told not to wear dress uniforms tonight. So no dress, dress uniforms. If you like. Uh, I'm sorry, one more time? Dress as obnoxiously as you like. And the same to you. Do I know any other way? <laughs> and he... I don't know, can I borrow the fur coat this time? He pauses and says, would you like to? I'd actually really like to try it on. It looks very, like, comfy and cozy. I've been trying... belt and pulls open the coat. Um, he is wearing his Klingon armor underneath it. He just pulls it off and tosses it to you. The moment it probably you weighs it, as much as I do. The moment you catch it, Olin, this coat probably weighs 40 pounds. It's like it's like chainmail being tossed to you. You catch it, it's like, whoa, it's very surprisingly heavy. That is a single skin. Enjoy it. You will be sweating by the end of the night, Delton. <laughs> Oh, I'm sweating in most situations. You just don't see it. Mmm. Mmm. With that, he moves. He says, go. All right. I'll make sure to give it back to you. Mm. They carry the very heavy coat out. So you walk out. I mean, this thing is like a like a wedding dress, like kind of like the, the tail kind of thing, like following you behind like a good two feet as you're just like walking out. You see this Klingon <laughs> assistant. She, Karga, just kind of watches you. 
Kraga just watches you leave and she just doesn't say anything. She just watches you slide out as you're like, <laughs> you're practically leaning forward to move with this thing. Um, a few Klingons pause as they watch you leave the ambassador's office. Um, <laughs> Dr. McCrell, you're still on board the USS Ross wrapping up all of your paperwork. If there's one person on the Ross that usually has the most paperwork to do, it's the medical doctor that has to look after all the personnel that's coming and going, keeping track of like everybody who has entered the, who has gone through the transporter pad, who is stepping onto the ship, the, the, the maintenance crews that are coming and going, wrapping up all of the duty shift rosters and stuff like that. And as you are sitting at your desk, you feel the, the presence of someone standing in your doorway. You did not hear with those ears of yours come in. How did I not hear? Well, it's Sorex. So it answers oh. your question. The moment you glance up, you see the Romulan just leaning against the doorway. Yeah. Are you going to be disembarking, or are you planning on living in that chair? Eventually. I'm going to enjoy a nice cup of tea and then get ready for the dinner tonight. I came to ask you to be my date to the dinner tonight. Your date? Doesn't have to be anything more than two friends hanging out, if you prefer, but... This will be my first social function off the USS Ross in the presence of Romulans, and now that there's no longer a death mark on my head, I plan on acting like someone who's alive for once. Then I should probably dress appropriately. Maybe that little red dress number I wore on Nimbus 3, yes? Or maybe yeah. something a little less shiny. I hope you wouldn't be expecting me to wear desert wear for this, but if you want to steal the attention of everyone in the room, wear the red one. I was already planning on doing that. I heard that they were going to be playing jazz, and I'm quite a fan of jazz. I have a few things prepared. Key of A minor. Hmm. Don't think I know what that is. You'll see. I think, if they'll allow, of course. Uh, just a little hobby I picked up in Starfleet. When I'm I was in San Francisco, I enjoyed jazz. Yes. It's, um, it has a soothing effect on the soul. I look forward to it, Doctor. And Sorex, walks out and, and and again it's just mccrell as you're watching him leave he just doesn't make a sound as he walks it's like instinctual just does not make any noise as he steps past there's even your acute hearing is not picking him up as he walks out the door I but pick one up. of the ox crew watches him leaves and he does this number as he watches him walks out he just goes i'm just gonna look at them and go i think i have a date that's and what I'm that sounds like, Doctor. 
I was going to pick up the statue and try and throw it at him as he left, but then grab one of the Horgons and clock him over the side of the head. I'm pretty sure the captain does not wish us to throw things at each other anymore. I'm getting that vibe. Um, Reflex trick. <laughs> yeah. Vren and Lacat walking to the transporter pad. Uh, Lakat just turns to Ren and is like, you're my date. To the function tonight? Yeah. Okay, do you think it's gonna go late? I don't know. You look tired, though. This would, uh, be, a good this would be a good one to uh, sit out. Uh, no, I'm okay. I can, I should probably socialize a little bit. Honestly. It's just been, it's been a long couple of weeks, you know? Some sort of inch that I check. Like, how much of this do I, like, actually believe he can like rally for or like should i be a good friend and make sure that he like stays down um yeah if you want to roll insight command thanks yeah. difficulty at one perfect um let's do this um oh shit. is it a <laughs> ton of complications there's no way what'd you roll a 15 and a 17. Okay. He looks great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's good to go. Okay, cool. Uh, well, LeCat definitely doesn't want to suffer this alone, so uh, yeah. she more or less commands Ren to be her date and <laughs> get on board. <laughs> he, he nods and says, yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she, she, like, there's there's a part of her that's still, like, this guy needs to rest, so... I think that uh, that is in the back of her mind. Even though he looks great. He looks great. She claps him on the back. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. You look great. <laughs> All right. The two of you step onto the transporter pad. Chief Singh looks at both of you and says, energizing. And the two of you beam off the USS Ross. One by one, everyone disembarks to Narendra Station for what is looking to be an interesting social event that's about to happen in celebration of the return of the USS Ross after a successful, challenging mission. That's going to be our stopping point for our break. We're going to be back in 10 minutes. I have a feeling you're not going to want to go anywhere for this. <laughs> so we'll see you in 10 minutes. See you then. Okay. Sports. What? <laughs> Welcome back to Clear Sides, everybody. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and jump right back into our game. Right now, the USS Ross is currently docked at Narendra Station. The crew has largely disembarked at this point and is reconnected with family and friends that they haven't seen for some time. Ox crew is reacquainting with people that they've left behind at Narendra Station who have been just sitting there waiting for the Ross to come back into port. Um, it's a time of a little bit of a little bit of regeneration time. Is the best way to describe it. The crew is getting some downtime and reconnecting with family and friends, and the Ross is getting a finally getting a chance to rest her warp core a little bit. There is, however, a social function that is being hosted tonight on the main promenade of Starbase three six four in honor of the return of the USS Ross. The Ross, of course, has, by the way, at this point, y'all would start becoming a little aware since you disembarked on Narendra Station, that the Ross has become talked about. The exploits of the Ross and its part in basically 
bringing the Federation and mostly the Romulan Star Empire back from the brink of possible conflict has become known throughout this particular sector. Um, because in Star Trek Adventures, in a, in a typical campaign, ships can actually gain reputation. <clears throat> As it comes, in this case, the USS Ross has started to gain a bit of reputation for the first contact, for investigating the particle fountain, discovering new technology, for discovering a whole new species multiple times, for being there at the first contact of a brand new crystalline entity and the discovery of a new planet, which uncovered an entire ecosystem that's living in the Shackleton Expanse to the integration of new technologies. And then of course, in the background of all of this, oh yeah, they helped prevent the Romulan civil war that might have happened in the next coming months. So the USS Ross has become known. And that is apparent because when you all begin to filter into the main area where this function is taking place, you see this place is decked out. Um, it has banners hanging from the ceilings. A lot of them, of course, also indicating the Klingon Empire's presence here, as well as a few banners indicating the Romulan Star Empire's presence here, indicating the, the embassy's presence. But for the most part, the wasted space has been converted into what looks like a very large sociable fine dining area with a stage where jazz is already being played by the time you all start arriving and drinks are being handed out. The banner, of course, showing the launch date of the USS Ross, as well as her personal logo that each ship gets for its mission profile. Um, you uh, see Welcome Home Ross, the banner above uh, the stage and the music being played. There are uh, holographic servers that are moving about and, in, and sort of like interacting with people. You also see um, Admiral April Airbear is here as well as Ambassador Pagino. You do notice that uh, there's a couple of other civilians that are lingering about. There is the unmistakable stocky form of one doctor, <laughs> his name cracks me up, Debulch, Deblutch. Sorry, Deblutch Maroney. Because <laughs> if I was going to name a character after Thomas, I was going to give it a ridiculous name. There's no way you're getting off light just because you designed our starship for us, Thomas. So Deblutch Maroney is here. Um, the Tellarite uh, professor, a doctor, engineer who basically designed, he was the chief designer of the USS Ross. He is here along with the captain of the Nebula class, Captain Niles Terrace, who is a human. Um, human male. Um, I, 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 know that I'm, I know that I'm being cruel because I'm, I'm slapping you guys hard in the face with a thirst trap, but he basically looks like Idris Elba in a captain's uniform. <laughs> Um, Eric, you know the conversation that we had right before we went live? I know, I know. I, know. I actually okay, don't continue. I don't You're like, uh, Sorex, go away. He is wearing the command uniform, but anybody who knows anything about uh, Captain Niles uh, Terrace is that he is actually a scientist and uh, chiefly known for his uh, studies of propulsion before he became a captain. Yes, you could hold a conversation with him for sure. Chief Tech, he is all about the space. Okay, no, no, I'm not gonna do it. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. Okay, 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 
We're good? All right, good. All right. Um, So uh, already when the crew of the Ross begins to arrive, you all see that there are VIP tables that have been set aside for the command staff of the USS Ross. The Ox crew is here in force. Um, Not only are they here, but like... uh, they are here with their families. They're congregating around the area. The promenade of Narendra Station is large enough to accommodate a very large gathering. Um, you do note that this is positioned in such a way where the USS Ross can seen clearly just outside the main window hub of Narendra Station. So right now, the backdrop of all these beautiful dark blue Federation banners with the star symbols of the United Federation of Planets, the Welcome Home Ross, it's all amongst the backdrop of dimmed lights, a beautiful starscape that's just outside the windows with the glowing hull of your ship, the USS Ross, in the background. It's enough to cause anybody who sees this pause and realize just for a moment's reflection of how far you have all come since that day where everyone departed from San Francisco. How far you've all come since you discovered that little creature in the warp core <laughs> and everything that's happened since then. <laughs> and one by one, everyone begins to filter in. At the Klingon embassy, the doors open as stepping out, uh, Jal is in full warrior's uniform. He is wearing the Klingon battle armor. He has got the bandolier of how Martok over he has his dick slide into the belt to his side and a mug that i guess he's bringing with him because they don't have him there maybe but in his left hand and in his right hand is a slightly smaller mug and he said i'm going to let you pick and he presents them both to you uh can i describe what i'm wearing really fast yes please do all right so underneath this giant fur coat that olin is wearing is a skin tight white bodysuit with a gold stripe going down like like one side and then gold and black boots. And instead of their usual bisected gold necklace, they're like a solid gold cuff around their neck. And then painted up over their very dark black skin is like this gold filigree kind of thing happening. And like they're wearing gold lipstick the eyeshadow is is gold. It is full on, full on. Uh, and they they look at the two cups, and um, uh, they begin to reach for the smaller one, mm-hmm. and then snatch the bigger one out of his hand. <laughs> um, he he gives a grin and just nods and says, mm, "Good." I can't drink out of that one anymore. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about uh, age or anything like that. I'm just going to uh, mention that I probably can't drink out of this one either, but damned if I'm not going to try. It will be amusing, if nothing else, to see a lovely creature like yourself vanishing behind the rim of a mug the size of their head, if nothing else. Let's see, shall we? Mm-hmm. And he, he offers his armor. Very, very lovely, by the way. This armor is quite stately. Thank you. I never get to wear it anymore, mostly because it barely fits. Shall we? Let's go. 
and the two of you, the Klingon ambassador and the Federation Delta ambassador moving towards the main area where this event is happening. This would have been a site unthought of in a previous generation as the two ambassadors of these once ancient foes and now close allies move towards the main event. At about this point, Lakat and Vren are arriving. Vren clearly didn't get the memo not to wear the dress uniform or he was just asleep because he shows up and he's like, oh man, looking around as he's like tightening this thing. The dress uniform, of course, is the long tunic that goes all the way down to about mid thigh. He looks sharp, tired, but sharp. And he looks really self-conscious like, I think I remembered something about a dress uniform, but I thought it, I, when you see dress uniform pop up, you think, oh, I've got to wear it. You don't think somebody telling you, oh, you don't have to wear it. You know what? I have one dress and I'm wearing it right now. So we're in this together. And in okay. fact, Jane is wearing her one dress as Your well. one dress? I think that she's got uh, like Cardassian military. She's got like leggings and like sleeveless shirt and then she's got her work uniforms and those are the three things she's got okay. so, and and her one dress so she's wearing her one dress which is um which is a closer to like what you see cardassian dresses to look like which actually kind of look like renfair dresses i was gonna say they kind of remind me of edwardian yeah dresses. They're a little edwardian renfair. So like a corset and <laughs> and, and, and like off the shoulder um, I'm sorry, Sam, were you going to say something? Oh, no. Vren fair. Oh. <laughs> Everyone take three points of stress damage. <laughs> I'm going to award myself 20 threat. <laughs> Suddenly uh, 20 board. If we all die, away. it's your fault, Sam. <laughs> okay. It was that way from the beginning. This fool made me captain. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, okay, so... So yeah, it's Edwardian, I would say. Um, what are the colors? It's very like... Yeah, it's, it's it's a dark green, I would say. And um, it has a, like a leaf pattern on it. Um, and I, I would say there is a little bit of like gold touches to it as well. So good work, Olin. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's, it's a... Uh, just shades of green. Let's go with that. Very, very, a, a great dress for a botanist, I would say. Um, At one point, Vryn actually manages to break free from his self-conscious and he goes, oh man, you look amazing. I I, I look like such, I'm, I'm, I'm still in uniform. I feel like I... You look great. I am literally wearing my mother's dress. So, we're gonna be fine. Hey, that Klingon with Olin. You think they're a thing? He glances over as you see them arriving. and He goes, oh, I don't know. Maybe. It's hard to read the ambassador, you know? Like, I never know exactly what they're thinking. Yeah, Maybe because they're too busy thinking about what we're all thinking. That's deep. That's deep. Hey, you're yeah. a fan of jazz music, right? Yeah, earth music in general. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how to dance to this stuff? No. Dang, well, we're gonna make it up right now so we don't have to talk to anyone else. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, she drags him to the dance floor. Okay. You head to the dance floor with Vren and he just watches you and starts going, 
Okay. No, don't watch me. You're the one who's supposed to know this. Oh. Jane is standing still, like, lead the way, my friend. Um, okay, he's like, okay, um, and he puts, slides his hand across your waist, and then he reaches over, and he takes your hand, and he goes, okay, uh, uh, this is... Is that a waltz? This feels like a waltz. Is it, that's not what you're supposed to do? How does jazz dancing work? I thought dancing was dancing. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, he looks so self-conscious suddenly. He's like this darker blue begin to form around his face. He's like, I, I, I don't, I don't. It's, it's okay. Like, it's fine. We're gonna, we're just gonna figure it out. Just okay. You, you look over my shoulder and see what the people behind me are doing. And I'm gonna look over your shoulder and see what the people behind oh, you are doing. Oh, hey. Yeah. All right. And okay. the two of you join up and start to move a little bit while the two of you glancing over the shoulder and there's a moment in like the two you're quietly swaying back and forth, getting a good look at what's going on around you. You can see a lot, again, a lot of the ox crew showing up. Mm -hmm. It's it's exciting to see like scientists, civilian personnel and everybody from ox crew showing up and enjoying each other's company in a social setting. Like a lot of the rivalries that you saw sprouting up that were kind of, they were always friendly rivalries, but you can, it's, it's wonderful to see people like letting their hair down as it were, letting, seeing, showing people that like, who are in the middle, like as you're glancing across the floor, seeing them in mid laugh as they're kind of doubled over holding a drink. Um, watching members of this Federation crew really enjoy each other. It really dawns on you. This is the first time, Lacat, that you feel like you're surrounded by family since long before you left Cardassia. Um, <laughs> because it was not like this at the Academy when there were parties. It was so different, especially being the only Cardassian at Starfleet Academy. It was not, everyone here accepts you and surrounds you and it's just part of the atmosphere and it begins to sink in and it's shattered when you hear Vren say, you've got really nice shoulders. What? The shoulder, it's, it's, it's nice. You have a nice shoulder. It's really nice shoulder. Only one of them is nice. Well, I can't see the other one, but I'm, I'm sure on the other side of your head, it's looking quite nice as well. I mean, you have nice antenna. <laughs> you think I have nice antenna? You got yeah, yeah. You got you got nice antenna. Uh, that's that 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 may be the most charming thing anyone's ever said to me. I can it. They they do a thing when you're happy. What? Yeah. They start doing it at that point. You notice it. <laughs> uh, and you see this confusion on his face as they kind of, they stiffen a little bit, but also kind of arc down. Like it's somebody who's like frown smiling, but with their antenna. And he's just like, <laughs> really? No, 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 no. He's, he takes one hand and he goes, I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's no, weird. no, it's, 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 they're happy. They're happy. Trust like I'm me. broadcasting here. <laughs> As the person who sits next to you for what? A million hours a day? A good thing. This is this is the good. These are the happy antenna. They do a terrible thing when you're angry. God, I I had no idea. I'm not gonna lie. I had no idea. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time looking at myself. Obviously, I <laughs> pretty obvious, really. <laughs> I'm growing up on a space station like this, like like this. 
Kind of. They weren't Federation space stations. One of them was, but I was only there for about a year. Most of the space stations I grew up weren't as nice as this. Most of them were just like waypoints, stopping points for like freighters and whatnot. They were all near the Andorian system, though. I didn't go too far. So. Your parents, I'm guessing? Yeah, my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Mom was a pilot. So. And so you became a pilot, too. Yeah, well, she made the mistake of letting me at the controls when I was very small. And I absolutely wrecked a shuttlecraft. Not completely. Uh, it was a docking procedure. I just didn't... She, she was explaining it fine. I just She said decelerate, and I wanted to see how fast it could go. I was only six, so, like, of course I was going to do something stupid. But That's amazing! <laughs> that better be on your resume. Uh, no. I wanted to get accepted to Starfleet Academy, so I left that one off. Yeah, but, that's fair. Uh, yeah. That's fair. Do you, do you mind if I ask... Um, is it okay to ask about... I, I don't know that. I'm not answer, or I will evade it cleverly, or not so cleverly. I'll just not answer. Uh, I, okay. Um, let me think of what I. Okay, let me think of how to phrase this. And then he pauses and goes, "But before I do, look at that! Like, wow! Any uh, motions?" Jane leads so that he turns both of them. And she's not swiveling her head, Bren. By them, <laughs> okay, by themselves. Yeah. Striding into the room, you see Solon. Damn, what as, are they wearing? As Solon enters the room. Solon has gone full Lady Gaga at the Oscars. Like, Solon comes striding into the room and what looks like a strange cross, like a beautiful cross between a gown and a suit, the way it's like tunicked up at the top and then flows down at the bottom. And as typical, because Solon seems to love the gossamer style, it does have sort of an ethereal look of a gossamer all around, like swirling around their hands all the way like to like fingerless gloves, almost like it's a single piece, but you can see the segmentation going all over it. But the most striking thing about this is it has a back piece that forms and covers like the back part, almost giving Solon this look of like a golden halo. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Like this big circle that extends out behind them and attaches to this, this tunic part that kind of wraps around in this high collar. They look like an imperial, like royal image of some ancient royal line, kind of like it, this this beauty that just comes walking into the room, striding in with this casual, friendly smile, and the angular features. He's. You can also see that they've got their hair combed slightly different. It looks like braids on the side, and the rest of it is combed completely over to one side. And it spills down to about midway through their arm, exposing one of their delicately arcing uh, Vulcan ears, while the other one remains completely hidden underneath a waterfall of dark hair. They look like a vision as they come striding into the room, catching a lot of glimpses, and even a few cheers from the Ox crew, which is awkward as it is, Solon takes it with a big smile and does a bow as everyone cheers on Solon, everyone's favorite bartender. And Vren just goes, I should have worn that. 
I would have fought you for it, and I would have won. Let's be real. Let's be real, yeah. Uh, so we're just going to forget about that question? No, I was going to, I was going to ask, but I was going to see if you were going to let it slide. You brought it up again. So I'm going to go into it if that's all right. 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 And I'm going to shoot it down if I don't like it. Okay. Fair. And I'm going to pretend like I didn't notice you shooting it down. So it doesn't get awkward. Perfect. And I'll just. We're getting very fast. Yeah. Oh, if it goes poorly, I'll direct us back to Solon. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Um, all right. So. Um, what did your parents do? <laughs> His raven, he grabs dice. <laughs> um, she, like, you see her stall, and, um, you, she's, she's gonna say, my let's go back to Solon. Solon is looking amazing tonight. Amazing tonight. I imagine the transporter chief probably thought there were two people in the transporter with that thing on their back, but it looks amazing. Yeah, probably messed up their sensors. Oh, just weird. Just weird. Just weird, man. Just weird. Weird sensors. My mom was a scientist. Okay. All and she's going to say. <laughs> she doesn't ask about dad, leaves that alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any siblings or anything like that? Or Only child. Only child. Um, why don't I ask you about plants? Because I don't get to talk to you enough about plants. Plants. Am I right? Plants. Plants. They just grow everywhere. I mean. They're just what, everywhere. What is their problem? They're just like, I don't know. And they keep <laughs> growing and growing. You water them and then they grow <laughs> and then Oral eats them. But you still, you still make it work. And like sometimes your only introduction to them is like through notebooks that you have to like decipher because you can't read the original person's handwriting but you know what you make it work because you really cared about this person but it's fine it's fine uh plants plants are great um a beat passes <laughs> indicating that that did not fly past him and he just goes I really like plants. I really like plants. Uh, we should get drunk. <laughs> yes, because I think the last time I got drunk was on Earth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know what we should see if they have at this bar or at this replicator, if their replicator can make it. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> What's coming? I already know where this is going. I know what you're going to... I don't think I. I, I, I mean, look. I, I don't say no to dares. So if you want to take it there, we're taking it there. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> round two. All right. So the two of you. This is the image that you see when you arrive, Captain's uh, Saul. Um, you are seeing like a bunch of the people congregating together. 
You see Solon has arrived on the scene. You see Olin is here with the ambassador, uh, Jal. You see Vren and Lakat are clearly making each other laugh. And then they get that look on their face that screams goose and they move off to the side. You don't know what they're up to, but they begin to move over to the bar. They do it and, not on my ship, which is the best part. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really, this is not gonna, they can maintenance Narendra station. You don't have to worry about this. Um, a few moments pass, and as you're standing there observing the floor, um, Exio, do you want to make an entrance here as well? And Captain, if you're out of dress uniform wearing something else, please feel free to describe uh, how you yes. arrive on the scene. We're putting the dapper queer in a suit. All right. Eat your heart out, Bobby Draper. What, what <laughs> color? What does it look like? What kind of suit? Describe the tailoring. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We need all the fan art. <laughs> yeah. This is the fan art episode, clearly. Well, I'm no cast, so I'll never live up to those kind of suit standards. Nonetheless, I think we're because uh, suits do come certainly back into fashion by Picard. So I'm not too far out of aesthetic time. It just means that I'm on the bleeding edge here. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're wearing, let's see. I think, it, I think we're going with plum. I think that works well. Off of their coloring, it is a little metallic, but uh, the metallic of it edges toward rose gold, that, that's sort of a dichromatic coloration on the shine. And uh, no vest, no tie, blazer, uh, unbutton, uh, and heels, because they can. Because you can. Because why not, when you're already, what, 6'6"? Six, six? I mean, look, <laughs> why not just more? Uh, if there was a Gorn here, they'd be looking at almost eye level to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Exio, yeah. you're entering onto the scene. Mm -hmm. Literally, the sky's the limit with whatever you want to be wearing. As you can digitize the hell out of it, however you want to manifest it. Uh, yes. Um... So, Exio, who still sort of has a, you know, her demeanor is very ballerina, simplistic energy. Um, if she were to do a, a modern dance, it would be in all, you know, very skin tight and, and not much flair to it. Her, her, mm -hmm. um, so what Exio is wearing, she's a little on the, like, you know, she knows she can do whatever she wants tonight. And so, and she's reached a certain level of fuck it today from how ridiculous everything has been and how um, just so dang, so much information has changed. And, and her sort of views are shifting and she is shifting so much that I think it would be slightly, um, uh, you, you know, everyone should notice that you, 
she would probably still show up in dress uniform on a normal occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but today she is in a um, also in a suit, but it is a three-piece suit. Uh, ju- the shirt portion, the vest, is just the vest, so you see um, her skin. Um, it is uh, uh, an emerald, deep, rich emerald color. Um, she has left the texture on the suit as hologram, but she is solid um, to you know, just represent herself. Um, mm-hmm. She has a really intense, long, smoky eye. Um, probably to be covering up circles that aren't there. Uh, <laughs> when you're tired, you just put a lot of mascara and stuff on. And um, her hair is sort of very quafted, quite tall and slick on the sides. And she has a white stripe on the front that goes along in her quaffed. Um and on her arm is one of the Vulcan twins. Okay. Um, so for those of you who have seen the episode, Jackson's character is along with Exio. I was about to ask which one. There we are. And, and she strolls in looking like the least straight spine you have ever seen on her. Think Kate Blanchett at a red carpet right now. Like just has embraced a different side. (laughs) (laughs) Not so stiff. Right on. Okay. Um, So as you come striding in, you see Captain Saul standing by themselves, just regarding the room with contentment all over their face as they're watching the crew ox crew members congregate and gather around and socialize the nakas is literally wafting off of them (laughs) yeah exio just kind of gives you the like up and down to the suit and then and then um puts their hand a little bit on their hip like i guess we got the suit memo like like (laughs) a little bit of Eyebrow wiggle. And in complimentary colors as uh, Sol returns the favor. Doctor. Commander. As the two of you regard each other, both of you find yourselves glancing because entering the room is a Cation doctor and a Romulan, which is a little surprising to see. Um, Sorex is wearing something quite interesting. It is a very simplistic, almost priest-like outfit with a collar that goes down to about the mid-waist. It is gunmetal gray with silver trim lining all the the folds that crease over the top. Very sort of like futuristic Neo-Tokyo sort of look where it looks like a combination of a modern kimono top that has um, that has been almost made into a suit. And it has a very, yeah, and it has a very like, like the pants that flow down to the polished black shoes that he's wearing are very reminiscent of the, like the Romulan style that a Senator might wear. The only thing that just uh, makes it so it's not too bland looking is the fact that there's design all over it. You can't make out what kind of design it is. It, from far away, it almost seems like leaf prints 
overlapping one another. But upon closer look, you actually see that there's a bit of a sheen to each design print that across the top, as it too, even in the gunmetal gray, is also laced with silver, giving it sort of a look when it catches the light. It has that sort of like shining a light across a metal surface for a brief second kind of look. Um, you begin to realize that not leaves, in fact, but maybe feathers that are like subtly and artistically imprinted into the threads themselves, almost like an impressionist work. Uh, his hair, very, very uh, <laughs> in contradiction to traditional Romulan style, is combed back. Instead of the standard comb front, it is in what fact- a bowl cut? Very, very countercultured like haircut to the Romulan and it's pulled Whoopee. back. Exposing, uh, Sorex has always had a very pronounced forehead for a Romulan, indicating where he comes from on the continent. Um, you can see, much like his father, Admiral Mindak has a very pronounced expression on his face. But he is walking next to Dr. McCrell, who is dressed. That's me. That's uh, you. I did not wear the sequence tonight because I. Again, don't want to draw that much attention. <laughs> that bad. Solon's got you covered. You're good. Yes, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to take away from Solon. Uh, so I'm, uh, McCrell's wearing a floor length, um, it looks like a black floor length gown with a slit up the side, but on closer look, you can see it's actually like a very like deep velvet purple mm -hmm. uh, with um, Arctic blue kind of threading throughout it that like when it hits the light, you can sometimes see the blue threading without it. It's only if you look at through it closely uh, and it brings out the color of her one blue eye, mm -hmm. uh, same color of her one blue eye. Uh, but it looks like she's wearing just a simple black dress until you take a closer look at it. Nice. Um, also, just to add to this, uh, I will note that the Romulan ambassador, Pagino, is here. And he is wearing much more traditional styled Romulan dress. He is like the robes, the silks that are like folded over the top. It looks like a long green robe with gold trim all around it. And it does have the emblem of like the Romulan star empire emblazoned up on sort of the right corner, but in a very subtle way where you can just see the raptor's wings in gold, but it's folded under just underneath what looks like a sash that goes across and it's in like this dark, uh, I wouldn't say mustard colored. It's more of like a, it more like a pure yellowed color of silks and this guy draped over his side. He looks very stately. It's also apparent now that you see him in this light and in these robes. Um, he's very much a middle-aged Romulan, carries himself as such. You can see he's got some peppering to that jet black hair that's cut just above his eyebrows. Very angular face. Um, Pagino's one of those people that definitely, like, you see them and know them to be handsome, but it's more of just like, I kind of want to draw this person. It's not, it's it's more of like, they look like they just have good lining, the way they hold themselves. It's typical of like someone who is in this, like in a stately atmosphere, much like your own ambassador who carries themselves with like a regality to them and nobility to them. Um, Pagino is standing there. There is a Riemann here. The Riemann, known as Vrotek, is standing about 20 feet away from the Romulan ambassador. He too is dressed differently. He is hooded, which is not unusual to see. Um, Riemanns, of course, do not like bright light. And this one, it looks like he is... <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> just looking at him, he looks very similar to the way Prawl looked when he was dressed up in like his hoods and stuff like that. But... Um, 
Rotek looks like a Sith Lord standing off to the side of this entire thing. He is not dressed to impress. He is dressed in robes that cover the front part of his face, just exposing the lower half of his of his face, where you can see the large lips of this uh, this Reman, who's just standing very humorlessly off to the side, towering above most people. Doesn't look like he's armed, but anybody who knows anything about bodyguards means he's probably wearing what he's wearing because he's got at least something on him to protect the ambassador if he needs to. Uh, speaking that, of Prawl. Speaking of, oh, Prawl is not here. You do not see Prawl on the floor. Is his ex here? What's that? Is yeah. his ex here? Yeah. Oh, the Commander Vulcan? Mm-hmm. Yes. Damn. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. What? Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be patient, but I want to know what Tech is wearing. I want. I want. I want to know I do what too. Tech is wearing. Tech, it is. <laughs> it is your turn, Tech. Yes. So, uh, speaking of, at this moment, there is sort of like a halt in the ceremony as the uh, people from the kitchen start coming out <laughs> in aprons, and Tech is wearing uh, a very futuristic space apron along with the rest of the uh, the chefs. And they're all coming out, and they have. There are a few Bolians, and we all have Bolian chef hats. It's a white like circle around the the head, and they come out like French chef hats, but they have ridges on them. So there are three pronounced ridges to uh, sort of accommodate for a Bolian's head. And we come wheeling these carts out with cloches on the top of them, uh, and the uh, we're very happy to present this evening's feast. And we all sort of reach out and uncloche. It's variations on a goose. And it's a cooked goose. It's a tofu shaped in a goose shape. It's a various gach or, or things like that. And it's all variations on the theme of a cooked goose. I love my crew. Bon appetit. Fried <laughs> bread stuff. I can't so wait to eat eat this memory. Tackling <laughs> the goose. <laughs> All right, everyone begins to mingle. Uh, people immediately approaching. Um, you can hear stories being exchanged as you approach. Uh, people talking about, by now word has begun to spread that a holographic goose was used as a count, an electronic countermeasure against a cloaked Romulan war vessel. Um, Fugino eventually hears the story and actually shares a laugh about it uh, when he finds out. Um, you, the mingling begins to take place. The jazz music that's playing, Admiral April Hebert is here. Um, she is wearing a long black dress. It is very simple. Um, off the shoulder, um, has a little bit of, it catches the light so you, you can see that it has got some glitter to it. Like it catches that light and you see some refracting light coming off of it. The sort of like those black, sort of like almost like intermingled into the fabric itself, it's reflective. So the way she turns from time to time makes it look like it glitters. For a, spec, for a second, the spotlight. Um, her hair is done up immaculately with two strands coming down the side of her face. Um, and uh, yeah, she she is currently in the middle of having a conversation with Ambassador Pagino. It looks like it's, it looks like she, it looks like she's trying to steer a conversation away from work and the ambassador is teasing her about it. Um, but the band on stage are mostly holograms playing jazz music. Um, if you guys, anybody wants to take a scene right now, 
we have our social engagement as people are moving. By the way, Chief Tech, you are getting compliments left and right on the fair. Yahoo! <laughs> um, <laughs> at one point, you see Jaw has made his way over to the place, and he just he's just using his bare hands to grab meat, <laughs> scooping like scraping it off and just plopping it onto the plate. Oh, saying it grab, He grabs some gawk and throws it on top of the turkey. Mm. And he looks at you, Tech, and he goes, this was a bird? Well, I mean, it depends on if you had the... Oh, you do. You did grab the actual goose. Yes, this was a bird at one point. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. He moves away. <laughs> Just, like, scrape the meat off of one of them. <laughs> like, some people kind of steer around that. What's up, Olin? At some point, Olin would have, would have given up on the jacket. It is quite large and very warm. Um, and they would have slipped it off and put it somewhere safe. But one when of the they do, will take that for you, like one of the yeah. people attending the party, yeah. When they do, it's not immediately obvious under the coat because it's so large, but like all the way down their back is also a cape mm -hmm. that comes off the bodysuit. Um, okay. And uh, once they have the jacket off and they see that Ambassador Jal is occupying himself with getting food, they walk over to Exio. Okay. Uh, Exio is is probably sitting at one of the banquet tables um, with a personalized uh, plate that is just a bunch of mini gooses, and each one is a different memory of the goose adventure from from Tag. <laughs> the goose um, adventure. <laughs> yes, and um, they seem distracted because for the fifteenth time tonight, uh, with a smile though. Um, uh, their date has gotten to tell the story because he, you know, him and his sister designed it with tech, which is why I was like, this will be a good night for for them to get to enjoy. So, so he has been getting to like tell everyone how great it was, and it's nice to sit down and just sort of be enjoying this so that's what she's doing as you uh walk up to her she has just taken a bite and is just like quietly smiling with her mm. eyes closed okay commander yes yes uh, um if it's all right with you and with uh dr stavik um might i trouble He's you busy. for might, might I trouble you for a dance later? That would be lovely. Um, or now, if which, you'd like, but... I think my geese are safe, if you'd like to take a turn. I would be happy to, or I should say, if you want, I can watch after them, Commander. <laughs> sure. You probably would be pretty interested to discuss with Tech how this is made. Indeed. And then he pops open a tricorder. Why he has it at the party, how he snuck it in, you're not sure. But immediately the Vulcan just clips it open. Um, now, I should actually note here, because now that your character is actually interacting with this character, Olin, yes. this Vulcan is... Have you two met? We, very briefly, when the, you this were... Vulcan, the, the emotional state right. of this this Vulcan is not, this is, an, this is an emotional Vulcan. You can you can feel the emotion coming out of him. It is sort of like streamlined into uh, thinking in a certain way where it's like a little more focused than say his sisters, but 
Uh, but you can tell that he is acting. He's he, he has no problem expressing irritation or curiosity or excitement. It's sort of streamlined. Whereas like his sister who went to the colon R is like what? a wall. He a on the other hand, joke teller. <laughs> yes. But he, on the other hand, immediately starts scanning these holograms that are just sitting there at the table. Just, <laughs> and you see the feathers begin to change colors on the holograms, and he's like, hmm, 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 hmm. Ah, <laughs> shall we? Let's. Okay, the two of you move on to the dance floor, where the moment you two join each other on the dance floor, about twenty feet away, you see what looks like possibly judging from the emotional state a mildly intoxicated Vren and LaCat trying to teach each other how to dance and it seems like they're in the middle of a negotiation like you move that way and then I'll, I'll follow you and then and then and you we can move back the other way after that maybe and if we just look like everyone else maybe no we're all holding a drink so we're getting significantly yeah. more and more intoxicated yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made it away about halfway through my mug of blood wine before I had to stop, so I got you. Yeah, cling on alcohol. <laughs> it assumes that you have redundant organs. Are you intoxicated? I'm asking uh, out of game. Maybe slightly. Otherwise, okay. I don't think they would have been brave enough to come and ask you to dance. <laughs> okay, okay. Are we both just watching them? I was standing on the dance floor getting yeah, ready that to dance. Brief moment. <laughs> it, it, I'm about to drag Ren off to do um, because she's about to go uh, drag Ren off to find tech so he can use a replicator for them. So okay. that's, that's the you guys will see them scurry off basically. Okay. Uh, as as so you see your intoxicated like cat and Ren try to dance and then get an idea and then like cat pulls Ren off. That's what you see. Okay. Uh, I, I sort of do a wide extend uh, of the hand and go, well, we have a lot more room now. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed we do. <clears throat> I'll lead. And I grab your hand <laughs> and spin you around into me. Um, I'm. What is the tempo of the jazz song right now? Is it slow or is it more it's sort of like jazz. Charleston? Oh, okay. Yeah, then it's like... It's like it's like it's that sort of jazz that plays when it's a room filled with people having conversation, but also want to dance. Great! So then good. I start leading you in a tango. Oh, cool! I'm here for it. Yeah, slow jazz tango. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. All right. So I recognize that this might not be the best place for this conversation, but I. It's always a good time to talk while dancing. <laughs> How do you feel? Well, apparently a lot. <laughs> I I know. I I know. I know that you know, which is pretty dips you wild. <laughs> brings you back up. <laughs> it's uh so interesting. The last time you and I danced together was a completely different situation. That is by far the most understated thing you could have possibly said. So much has changed and 
she sort of is sort of getting lost in thought and as she is guiding you very uh is using the whole dance floor she has she can very easily maneuver around anyone in a dance <laughs> space with zero um risk of injuring or bumping into a single person and is just guiding you um with a with a lot more sort of extreme movements than normal you're seeing her kind of in her space um uh, a lot letting herself be her in her space in public a little more today on a scale um, of 1 to gomez and morticia this tango right now <laughs> oh, yeah, I would say like right before the champagne bottles start popping. Um, Perfect. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Exio is not holding back. They're showing someone asked them to dance, and they're going to show them the best time that they can that they can tonight. It's clear that Exio knows how to dance because eventually people start making room on the floor to watch, just like in that <laughs> scene. And uh, you two just move across the floor as everyone begins to enjoy the scene. I gotta tell you and and extend you again and then pull you back in where you're uh, facing away from me and got uh, your hand locked in mine and um, I say, I have never been so exhausted in my entire existence. <laughs> it's Feeling wonderful. <laughs> Emotions certainly are not for, well, those who weary easily. And you seem to be feeling with your whole heart. It is quite heavy, isn't it? Yes, having a heart can be very heavy, but with the right people, it can also be quite light. Like dancing. Disciplined, structured, heavy, but also lifts you up. <laughs> you can fly. <laughs> Full on dirty dancing right there on the dance floor. <laughs> like It also underscores the strength to this hologram. Exio can be as strong as she needs to be, and she easily lifts you off the floor, Olin, <gasps> elegantly, and finds the balance. <laughs> me and next, me next. Slowly back down, very controlled, to the sound and the rhythm. Mm. As the tempo is coming to an end of the song. <laughs> I don't want to sound rude or presumptuous, but... If you want to explore, I would be open to helping you. Explore? We do that every day. It's not very often we get the opportunity to explore ourselves, though. And you have a very unique journey. I would argue that was true of all of us. Perhaps. But I didn't start feeling just yesterday. It's not so much, it's so hard to explain. It's, I always felt, it, it, it isn't that, it's, it's that it didn't used to affect my productivity. Mm. I always had feelings, but the fact that they're getting in the way now, 
The fact that it's making everything harder. And everything... more worth it. I always felt anger. I always felt joy. I always felt... emotion. But I've never felt... Like I wanted more. And... And now I do. And she's just looking so intensely at you. And... And everything is going to keep changing. There is still so much that I haven't... Gotten to... I've been... It's weird, I used to think that I was so powerful. And maybe that's just an ignorance of my youth, even though I know everything. But I... Most people when they're young think they're invincible. And I know that! I know, I tell people this all day, and yet... And yet I still thought I was immune. And there is so much that I don't know. And... And it's terrifying. So, to answer your question, I would love to keep exploring. Mm. Consider me on board, Exia. A plate of food is shoved in your face suddenly, Ambassador. Oh, oh, oh. Ambassador Jaw. you as this Klingon appears right next to you, shattering this moment. Uh, you see this plate full of gach that's still squirming on the plate. And says, I didn't know if you ate or not, Commander, but uh, you're welcome to share mine. And he holds up his plate. <laughs> Thank you. I unfortunately do have a very special diet. <laughs> mm, mm, more for me. Yes. Um, Colin just, I just picks up one of the squirming worms right. and just... <laughs> Oh, that was that's very, very fresh. Mmm, <laughs> we're close enough to Klingon territory where it's not unusual to get good gach here. The only and kind with of a station working. filled with mostly Klingons, it's important to have a fresh supply. Otherwise, there could be riots. No, we, ha- we can't have that. Mm. We cannot. <clears throat> well. Have the two of you had the chance to really officially meet? No, I don't think I've actually had a chance to talk to you. Uh, you're the hologram commander of the USS Ross. That is absolutely correct. If you couldn't tell from the flare, and she dress- gestures at the extreme hologram effect on her mm-hmm. suit. Um, I assure mm. you, it's not just fashion. Well, it's pleasure to meet you. I am Ambassador Jahl of House Martok. It is an absolute pleasure, and I must say, this is a beautiful set of armor. Thank you! This is the armor of my youth. It might be the last chance I get to wear it. Let's hope not. Well, I kind of hope so, if I can be honest. (laughs) Really? Yes, of course. Uh, My... Intention is to continue growing until I can't fit in it anymore. <laughs> Especially well, so you better with... keep eating. Exactly. <laughs> and with that, rather abruptly, turns 
oh. and begins to leave. <laughs> like conversation done. Just kind of pivots and begins to like shove food back into his mouth as he moves away. Abrupt as Klingons are. <laughs> He's so lovely. He he reminds me of my father on the best days. Really? What parts? My father also has sort of a semi-abruptness to him sometimes. Incredibly jovial man. Also capable of intense seriousness. <laughs> it's kind of comforting to be around him. You know, there is something incredibly refreshing when you know exactly when a person is done with a conversation. I could not agree more. <laughs> On that note, the two of you at that point, everybody Everybody here on the dance floor, everyone who's socializing, begins to see that Admiral April Ebert is taken to the stage and is approaching center stage as the music begins to die down. She walks up to the mic and says, good evening, everyone. If I can take your attention away from the good conversation and drinks for just a moment, and I'll let you get back to being irresponsible. I wanted to take this moment to personally welcome home the crew of the USS Ross. And there's applause all over the floor. We are very honored that a ship stationed here at our own Narendra station out on the frontier has begun to become something of a name in the fleet. And I take particular pride that I get to say that she's a member of my fleet. So welcome home, Commander, Commander Exio and Captain Sull and the crew of the USS Ross. Again, scattered applause and like cheers and whatnot. She says, uh, I don't want to take up too much time and be formal up here, but I did have a surprise that I did warn Captain Sull about. And I'm very pleased tonight to make this announcement that one Dr. McCrell has been nominated for the Carrington Award for her work on Borg nanite technology in curing and repairing a Romulan brain. Doctor, yes! congratulations. There is a roarous applause suddenly from the crowd as Sorex turns just as surprised as you and begins to applaud very like louder than most since it's his brain they're talking and, and about. as everyone's looking at me i'm just going to point to him like <laughs> <laughs> doctor you are a credit to the united federation of planets your work in helping cure a patient in the way you have has pioneered a new generation of medicine and will be studied at Starfleet Academy for years to come. Congratulations and thank you. I'm looking forward to you taking that award. <clears throat> Everybody, Dr. McCrell, and everyone begins to again applaud the doctor. The Carrington Award, of course, being one of the most prestigious awards, many people don't get nominated until they're late in their careers. Um, it's um, quite the honor. Many people you are can't... not as good at, as Dr. McCrell. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stay through the fur, but she is blushing. <laughs> like, what? She is speechless. She was not expecting that. Sorex turns to McCrell and just says, well, well earned. Well, I had a very good patient. I was not a good patient, but thank you. You are horrible, actually. You were the worst patient I've ever had. However, you were uh, a challenging patient that helped me grow as well. Well, thank you, doctor. Isn't it nice for you to be out here and 
for once not have to hide who you are. You can be free. Ambassador Pagino is going to be approaching me in just a moment. He's been eyeing me for the past 20 minutes or so, looking for an opportunity to have conversation. Would you like to have that conversation in private? No. Anything he has to say to me, he can say in front of my doctor as well. Yes, and your friend. And my friend. And And your date. And my date. And I grab his arm. Thank you. Um, it's funny because of all the people in the room, you might be the one person that Sorex is actually taller than. As the two of you are standing there on the floor, you do notice predictably that Ambassador Pagino begins to stride over into your direction and he says, here we go. Striding up, Pagino extends his hands outward, palms facing up and says, Sub-Commander Sorex. Well, I must say I did not expect to see you here. It's actually just Sorex now. You're not allowed to keep your rank once you betray the Empire. (laughs) Yes, the defection. But of course, your father still commands an enormous amount of respect within the Empire. Yes, respect that I am not made to inherit, unfortunately. Sad but true. But you did do a great service to the Romulan Star Empire. Sorex quirks an eyebrow and says, Really? Of course. Defecting, risking your life, betraying Sila. And that's very dangerous. Something she's not likely to forget. She is, of course, the head of the Tal Shiar. Her reach extends however (laughs) no one knows how far truly but if they can reach starfleet command i imagine they could reach anywhere perhaps even narendra station um i'm have like a reassuring you know arm on sorax and just like yes but now sorax is under the personal protection of the uss ross so nice try nice try of Sila. The, ah. Yes, it won't. Ha- Meaning, if they do try, it'll be nice, but not successful. I'm sorry. I'm not one with um, diplomatic conversations. No, no, not at all, Doctor. I quite agree with you. I would pity any Talshiar agent that was foolish enough to come aboard Narendra Station in an attempt to stir up trouble. I, for yeah. one, <laughs> I, for one, can tell you. Sub-Commander Sorex, that you have my support and the support of the Romulan Senate. Sorex, for the first time since you've noticed him, looks speechless. He, He doesn't look like he knows exactly how to respond to that. And he says, the Senate, he says, of course, by betraying Sila, you planted your flag as it were, as a loyalist of the Senate. If ever you wish to return to the Romulan Star Empire, it can be easily arranged without it looking like your father pulled any favors. I would be more than happy to make the arrangements myself. Sorex leans back and says, really? Of course. Not a decision you have to make tonight, obviously. And clearly, You've found a place among the crew of the USS Ross, a lucky place to have, I assure you. The exploits of the Ross 
you've been a part of them. Your successes are their successes. Their successes are yours. This is as much your party as anyone else's. But I don't want you to feel like you don't have a connection to home. Romulus is changing. And you took a stand for the future of Romulus. We won't forget that, Sub-Commander. Why do you keep calling me Sub-Commander? Because as far as I'm concerned, you've shown more loyalty to the Romulan Star Empire than Sila ever has, or any of the members of the Tal Shiar that we know of. As far as I'm concerned, you should be promoted. In fact, with your permission, I'm more than happy to put in the recommendations to have your rank and position within the Romulan Star Empire restored. Thank you, Ambassador. That's very kind. I shall take that into consideration. But if you'll excuse me, I am here with a very important date, and she is my current concern right now. The conversation being steered towards me is quite impolite. And Virginia says, of course, of course. McCrell, doctor, my apologies. No, it's Perhaps fine. We could, we could speak well, formally some other time. Thank you. I see it's a night of celebration, award nomination, promotion, you know. Yes, the award. Congratulations. I'm only mildly familiar with the Carrington, but I do know that some of the most prestigious medical staff in the history of the Federation are the ones that are reserved for this such award. Congratulations. My, my only concern is if I win such an established award, would that be the peak of my career? It's so young. <laughs> I must have, I need other goals, you know. I can't raise, have the bar raised so high so quickly. Maybe that's true, Doctor, but I have a feeling being the Chief Medical Officer of the USS Ross, you'll have plenty of opportunities to keep raising the bar. Yes. <laughs> that being said, I would love to discuss with you sometime about possibly sharing the medical information with the Federation and the Romulan Star Empire. We will have more Tal Shiar agents who might want to distance themselves from Sila, and they will run into the same medical issues is our brave friend here. It's still quite experimental and dangerous, but of course, with the Federation's permission, I would be more than happy to share my uh, research that I did on Sorax. Naturally, we should go through the proper channels, especially considering the technology that was involved. Our governments should have that discussion, but at least we can dream of a future where we can rescue good people from the servitude of a dark force within mm -hmm. our government. Speaking of dreaming, have you seen this spread that our chief tech has created? It's quite the dream in itself. You should enjoy it, eat. I, I will, I will. Thank you, Doctor. And thank you, Sub-Commander Sorex. I, please, go enjoy your evening, and thank you for speaking with me. And with Gunola, that, Pagino oh, lowers his head. What's up? I was just going to say with Sorax, I think, Gunola's failed. Distract a man with food. I'm going to turn to him and say that. <laughs> and when you say that to Sorax, you see Sorax is watching Pagino walk away, and Sorax immediately just says to you, that might be one of the most dangerous men I've ever met in my life. Well, good thing that you have a very dangerous doctor on your arm. He looks at you and says, Yes. Perhaps we should remind Pagino that you punched out a changeling. That's in my file. He extends his arm to you again. And the two of you stride away from the scene. Cut 
to Chief Tech, Lacat, and Vren. <laughs> and Vren is clearly intoxicated, Tech, and is just going, she wants me to do this. Let's just get it done. Because I told her I'd do it. We're doing this together. Jane is also intoxicated. This is a native food for you, so it's not a problem for you. Yes, I just, I just think that you've grown as a person, and there's Go only up. one way to like commemorate that. Oh I God, need God, this for you to focus up here, okay? I spent a lot of time here gaining some respect in this kitchen, and you two are not about to ruin it for me, all right? Go no, do this in the corner, Chief. You have to now, we're not going to do a food dare. That is not what food is for. It I'm is not going to throw up in the kitchen. I'm not going to throw He's up. not going to throw up in the kitchen. I'm not He's not. And Jane is going to take her other hand. One hand is holding Ren's hand. The other hand is going to hold Tech's hand. And she's taking them both to the kitchen. We're okay. doing this. <laughs> and as you two start disappearing in the kitchen, Vren just says, oh, chief, 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 you got you to gotta tell me, what are my antenna doing right now? What are they doing? They're what like, are they doing? Be, no, 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 no. Be honest. Oh. Don't, don't, don't spare my feelings, chief. Okay. What are they doing? What are they doing right now? This? No, but what are they doing right now? They're frowning, but smiling. Oh my I God, did you know my antenna, they, they do, th Jane, tell them what my antenna do. His antenna do with. <laughs> they do that, are they doing that right now? And the it makes, it's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it begins to occur to you, Tech, there is no conversation here. You could be talking to the wall, and it would be the same substance that's taking place. Uh, Chief Tech, Chief Tech, I just, I just need you to. We can't use re we, we are no state to use a replicator, right? Re a re a, a replicator. replicator. Right now, can can yeah. you please make three task bar eggs? Because I you are joining us, and I will not. No, you're joining us. You're here. No, no, Jane. Great, 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 great. Hey. And Hey, wait, wait. Do we outrank the chief? Can we can we order the chief to do this? Oh my god, come on, outrank the chief. I okay, before this goes too far. <laughs> I thank you into doing this. I'll go ahead. I rank you. Computer, listen to her. <laughs> okay. Are you gonna have the Rimlicator replicate? Hey, uh uh, 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 some eggs? Yeah, three task bar eggs. Okay. They, without another word, Lacat and Vryn, the, the, these eggs, first of all, they appear as they should be presented in like the little, very delicate looking like holders. Yeah. Just for the egg that you crack on top and open up. Lacat and Vryn snatch them up in their hands like they've just gotten some goodies off the shelf and immediately dash out of the kitchen with them. Wait, we do? Yes. <laughs> Yes, Trunkla Cat. Jim, <laughs> it takes you a second to realize that you've actually moved out of the kitchen. Love it. <laughs> and this is going right back into recycling. And I'll take the last test for egg and I'll go back to the party. 
what do you want to do, LeCat? Because at this point, hijacked, you are now realizing that outside the kitchen, you have control again. So you're holding this egg and Vryn is with you. He pauses and goes, wait, is this what we wanted to do? Yeah, this is what we want to do. Okay, okay. on the count of three, right? Okay. 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 One, two, three. We... Okay. Y'all crack the eggs. Yeah. And he starts, he starts, <laughs> it goes into his mouth. And you're not sure if it's if it's gagging or laughing, but it comes right back out immediately. Oh, oh. <laughs> like it doesn't get to the back of his throat. Oh god! Oh god! And he breaks out laughing, and it's dripping off of his chin. And he's doing this thing where he doesn't want to touch his own face because it's gross. And he's like, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh no! Oh no! You're not throwing up. At least you're not throwing up. You're doing great. I didn't throw that up. It didn't go down, so it can't come up. You can't. It just. It just." It's just, uh, she's going to go run and grab some napkins. <laughs> okay. You dash off and grab some napkins. Um, um, you see, as you move over to the table, there's not a lot of napkins sitting at the table. Okay. There's, in fact, none. You kind of start searching around for a second when a hand presents you a napkin. Oh, who is this hand? Um, it is a very form-fitting red dress. Um has very thin spaghetti straps over the top of her shoulders. Um, the Bajoran earring that she's wearing tonight has like, it looks like it has sort of a, like a decorative gym. Almost like she switched out her earring in order to present something a little more fashionable, but also showcasing her, her belief in the prophets, as it were. Yeah. Her hair is uh, done up so much that at first glance, it almost looks like a bob weave, but it's kind of like pulled up to the back and piled on top and tied into the back. And she has a slight grin on her face, uh, LaCat. Um, and she looks at you and she says, nice dress. And she offers you the napkin. Um, whew, okay. Uh, Jane takes the napkin and doesn't throw up on her. <laughs> I'm spending a point of threat? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I spend four threats. And um, I, I didn't think you'd be here. <sighs> Honestly, I didn't think I'd be here either. I didn't think I was gonna get off the ship. You look great. If I had antenna, they would be doing a a what? <laughs> she makes. <laughs> you start doing this. She makes and she, she holds up at, her, at your hands and goes, "Thank you." Yeah, yeah. You look, you look great. Did I say that already? No. I. I have to help a friend right now. But I had to help a friend too, and she that? once Did again I offers you the napkin. She she takes the napkin. Okay. Um, you look great. If I had yeah. antenna, and then she she turns and runs away. Okay. Um, back to Ren. Okay, you dash up to Ren, yeah. like like your mind racing as you approach him. He looks at you and goes, "I I managed to clean it. I I got you napkins. Please take oh, the napkins. I messed I, it up. I really did." No, no, it's okay. I said I do that. I, yeah, I don't decline a dare. I just, um, I feel bad because um, I don't want one of the holographic waiters to have to clean this up. So I'm, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, uh, 
Uh, where'd it go? Where, where, where'd what go? The thing I coughed up. It was. Oh, oh no, it's alive. It probably crawled away. Oh God, there. Yeah. Wait, it's alive. Was it alive the first time I tried this? Yes, it was alive the first time you drank it. Oh, that's why yeah. I threw up. Yeah. See. That explains See. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that makes me feel better. Are you good? Yeah. Are you good? No, it just looks like you haven't been sleeping. Oh no, I'm fine. You sure you look really tired at the beginning of this night? Oh, uh, it's you know, it's <laughs> Romulans, you know, like yeah. I mean, just like everywhere, and they're all invisible in space, and then they're trying to blow up my ship, it's like. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? don't do that. You're sitting at the, the, you know, you're sitting at the helm, and you, you know, two thousand people are depending on you not to ram things, and then there's an exploding particle fountain. It's just, you know, it just gets a lot sometimes, and so you just need to unwind. Fine. Should we? Should we, should we call should it we, a night? She what? Should we call it a night? Yeah, if you want to. You want to call it a night? Yeah, we'll call it a night. Okay, this is a night. This is a night. This was a night. Right now. Did you want to go back to the ship? Yeah, let's let's go back to the ship. Yeah. Oh, there's no one on board the ship. Uh, there's not a lot of people on board. I think like Gamma oh, ship. Where do we Where do we go to sleep? Oh, I mean, we. I mean. Uh, I've got quarters on the station, but I mean, we could, we could also go back to the ship. Like either. Quarters seem closer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lead the way. Okay. It's a night. I know navigation because piloting is what I do. And then he kind of starts. Navigation. This is our navigation song. <laughs> he starts leading you out of the room, and the two of you navigate through some of the crowd. Um. Captain Sull, you've been observing this evening from your place at the bar when Captain when Admiral April Abair moves over to you and leans up against the bar right next to you with what looks like a martini in her hand. And she glances around and she's like, these are the moments that I remember most when I was in command. It wasn't the scary moments where consoles were exploding around me or subspace anomalies were threatening to rip the nacelles off my ship. There's always these moments where you get to see your colleagues really just enjoy each other. What we do is so dangerous and nobody nobody really knows that. They think Starfleet is they just get kind of wrapped up in their ideals but no one realizes that we push the limits out here. We ask a lot from ourselves and from each other. It's good that we get a chance to celebrate that. They deserve it. I know every captain thinks they have the best crew ever, but I'm very fortunate to be right. So I read your report about the encounter with Q. Yes. Do you have any idea what he was talking about needing to get back to the Shackleton Expanse? Mm. Not in any detail, Admiral. You know, it's interesting. 
Captain, is the Continuum hasn't interfered in Federation affairs since Jean-Luc stepped and became an admiral. Ever since he left command of the Enterprise, not long ago. I suppose that's true. The interactions with Voyager would have been earlier. It's pretty interesting. The Continuum is very particular about who they pick to liaise with. I don't know if it's you or if it's what's going on here in Shackleton. I'm sure it is the Shackleton Admiral or else my crew. You also got to wonder about the timelines. That keeps me up at night. She just shakes her head and looks out. So much messing with the timelines. By at this point, who knows what alternate reality number we are or what a prime even looks like. She kind of chuckles to herself as she sips the martini. I get sick of taking track of it, you know? But I will tell you this. Exactly. However many timelines there are, however many versions of the Ross or whatever ships have flown through the Shackleton Expanse creating their own adventures, for all the things that have happened out here, you know what matters most? This right now. Cheers. And she raises a martini glass to you. To the USS Ross. To the USS Ross. And with my other foot, I, as discreetly as possible, brush away the taskbar that is crawling on the floor nearby. Okay. That is the best button we have ever ended on for an episode. This regurgitated animal just in its larval state slinking across the floor. You kind of move it aside, smiling at your superior officer. As the two of you clank glasses together, the jazz music playing, the dancing on the floor, the two retreating from sights, um, and the compliments that are being showered upon Chief Tech, just as you hear the roaring of a Tellarite that has spotted the chef from across the room begins to make his way over to him, that is where we're going to bring tonight's game session to an end. Can we have a closing credit scene of McCrell singing her jazz song with the band? Yeah, you want to do it? Do yeah. it. Her. Do it, do it, do it. Give us a closing credit scene. This is one okay. of those great moments, like the credits are rolling. Yes, McCrell, she's celebrating, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Never know how much I heal you. Never known such medical care. When I go and hypospray you, I'll cure your fever till you're better than fair. I'll cure your fever. <sighs> when you're ailing, whether you're a child or full grown. Fever, virus failing, I'll cure fibrous dysplasia bones. Mm. There mm. it is. Mm. <laughs> Coming to your next Library Bards uh, uh, <laughs> album. Yes, Dr. McCrell, Medical Jazz, together again for the first time alone. Medical Jazz. You know, Medical that's jazz. So when we finally get the merch store up and running, Bonnie, you're going to have to do a McCrell album now. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm in. I'm so in. <laughs> um, we'll have an album about food for Santa. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
That's going to do it for us tonight here on Clear Skies. Thank you so much for joining me and the rest of the stream punks for our story here on Clear Skies RPG. You can definitely catch us throughout the rest of the week because we're gaming like mad people all of the time. Yeah. So um, definitely check in with us. Uh, we will catch you next Monday night, 6.30 p.m., same time as always for the next adventure, the next stage of adventure. The next episode will be the refit part two. We'll see what happens. I'm very interested in finding out how things wrapped up. So I'll probably be reaching out to y'all individually to tell me how your nights came to an end. Um, until the next time we see you all, thank you so much for joining us. Take care of yourselves. And until the next time, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>